Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Four Top Threes. I'm Hello. V. Hi, V. And Hi. Kesser. Oh, hey, Kesser. Hi, Kesser. I'm Aethor. Hi, Aethor. Hi, Aethor. I'm Neil. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Flawless intro for once. Um, yeah, so um, today's episode is going to be Aethor's choice. So, Aethor, what did you what did you throw at us late Friday night? Uh, <laughs> take, uh, take note, people. Friday night was... Three days ago or two days ago, depending on how you yeah, count your days. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, so I, it's not like I gave it to them an hour ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have. Yeah, but how much time did you have and how much time did we have? We had so much time to come up with something. And I we know, had I know. two days okay, well, to think well. of stuff for this topic. Okay, okay, what? okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. I don't even know what this topic means. <laughs> Topic is your top three favorite tropes, and I'm gonna t- t- do do a thing now. <laughs> Kesir, I know you and me can talk for days about our least favorite trope, <laughs> so there will be no least favorite trope talk here. We're gonna talk about our favorite tropes. Remember, unless and unless one you... of your tropes is my least favorite trope, and then I will call it out. Okay. Haha! <laughs> um, a phrase I heard the other day is no bummers, okay? Yes. So we're going with no overt bummers. <laughs> no um, bummers, guys. Yes, definitely call out if it's not the favourite and why, but let's not do bummers. Um, so tropes in... Um, we, we hear people throwing around the word tropes all the time to basically mean negative things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of not what it is. Um, it's why we want to do positive ones, because tropes are just toolkits for writing. Um, they're just ideas and themes that pop up quite frequently. Absolutely. And if you aren't aware of what a trope is, you're going to know at least 12 by the time we finish this episode. <laughs> Unless we have overlaps. Which yeah, unla- yes, m- most of course, but I do have three. some backup. <laughs> I do have some honourable backups if uh, absolutely necessary. So. <laughs> well, um, Aethel, you started this mess, mm-hmm. um, so I think that you should start. All right. Um, I'm going to start by saying I'm not following any guides or anybody else's definition of tropes or what is a trope and what isn't a trope. I'm just picking what I like. So uh, if you have opinions, leave it in the comments <laughs> and it will feed the algorithm somehow. Um, <clears throat> feed the algorithmic god, please. <laughs> um my uh, third favorite trope is the the dumbass fucking trope that is in the start of a lot of video games and old young adult novels. It's when the main character goes on a, like a simple fetch mission or a quest at the start of the story, and then when he comes back to his hometown, it's been burnt down, everybody's dead, and his family's missing. <laughs> I, and then we usually usually do like a time skip until they're like teenagers or uh, adults, and now they're super badass and they're trying to find their family. I love that trope so much. It's such a good clean slate. You got your character orphanized. You got a tragic backstory. It's all like push, push, push. Everything's ready for you. You got the story ready. I love it's that. It's like one. the equivalent of the pizza guy coming into the room that's on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> 
you would no, I, you would so love Korean drama because like most of the ones that I've watched started like that. <laughs> like they always have like if there's like uh, um, let's say twenty episodes in the series, they always have like the first two episodes like explaining the entire backstory of that character as a child actor, and then uh, we always have like this time skip with a with an adult actor, mm-hmm. and um, they're always like these badasses trying to solve those mysteries from twenty years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that shit's great. Uh, yeah. No, I I, I love it. I, like, of course, it doesn't have to be that the hometown is burnt down. It can literally just be they leave and come back and their family's missing. Like, you just need to orphan them and give them a bit of a tragic backstory. One of my one of my weirdly favorite one is from Breath of Fire 2 in the game. You leave the town, you go search for your sister and you find her in front of like a statue, like of a giant dragon. And then you fall asleep. And then when you wake up, your sister's missing. You go back to town and nobody recognizes you or knows where you're from. And that's the start of the game. It's like, what the fuck just happened? Why did my family disappear? And why does nobody remember me? I love that. It's, it's, Wait, isn't the plot one of the Fable games as well? To <laughs> see... Uh, in the first There's fable... a Fable game, yeah, they, they have a sister, and then she goes missing, and then, oh, look, the witch is the sister. I oh, that's, that's the fable first game. Fable game. And the first Fable game is the most classic of classic. Mm-hmm. You go out of town to, like, with a letter, and then when you come back, the big bad bandit is murdering everybody. Uh, and <laughs> your dad, you watch your dad die. Your mom is missing, and your sister's missing. That's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's a, that's how you get the fucking story going. And then you do a time skip. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> what? what? What was that? Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh one hundred percent. Uncle Ben and whatever the <laughs> other ones were. <laughs> I was going to say Oven, and I'm pretty sure it's not Uncle Ben and Oven. I don't think Star Wars was that progressive. Wait. <laughs> I think I think Uncle Ben was Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh wait, he did Who's... die in that fire. What's wrong this... with you? I thought Uncle Ben was Spider Man. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> Who am I thinking of? <laughs> all right, I'm going to have to Google this because, like, we're all wrong. <laughs> Uncle Ben is Spider-Man. You're 100% right. Uncle <laughs> Owen is probably Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, like, I, there's not much to say about this uh, trope. I just, like, it has been in a lot of, like, video games that I used to play when I was younger. And I just, I always liked it. It was such a, like, a easy, flat start of a story. Like, you, you start with a little bit of, like, an upbeat family-friendly, happy vibe, and then you throw some grim dark on top of it and make them an orphan. Like, I mean, I guess uh, Full Metal Alchemist had that. Yeah. Ah. Well, sort it of. Does, they burned it, down the house themselves. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't start there. Like, I think it needs to start there, is mm. where my trope... Like, there's that's how I'm defining my trope. Yeah. <laughs> you can choose that trope as your background in Mass Effect. Yeah, true. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mass Effect. Um, yep, <laughs> that's it. That's my favorite, uh, my top so three. Good. It's a good game. <laughs> Where were we? Uh, I like it when you burn families alive and leave orphans behind. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Ah, yes. It is also <laughs> such a classic D&D character background too. Oh, that yes. Is, that is very true. Like, yes. Um, I guess I can understand if you like it in in like um, like normal media, but mm-hmm. I feel like in like if, if I think of D and D and like actual plays, I feel like that trope is a little bit overdone. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like because it, it like is almost everyone in... is like a, a, an orphan or like starts out mm-hmm. as like an orphan has very little family ties. 
I mean, it's yeah. a classic thing for 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 um, D and D games. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it, it always feels like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it is like definitely like it's a good backstory, being that it gives your character motivation to get out and explore the story. Because um, again, tragedy in the background or a kickstarting event um, in in um, actual plays, it's a reason and motivation for the character to no longer stay at home and be comfortable and safe. You you rug that out from underneath them. Yeah. But if you're a really smart player and you're a really good GM, have the family go missing and not burn them alive. Um, mm-hmm. Because plot points later on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that that's that's is... one one reason why I had Tauri have our family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We also don't see enough good, happy, like, solidarity families. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all um, the people are always like, I have no family ties. I can go anywhere in the world without, mm-hmm. like, needing to write any, like, letting anyone I used to know know where I am fucking going or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just, you're faced with the, the difficulty when you have a family in D&D. We're way off topic right now, but uh, <laughs> whatever. You're faced with the problem with the, when you have a family in D&D is, like, if I was playing a character, and my character's a father, and I have a fully healthy family at home, and I have 500 gold in my pouch, there's literally no reason not to go home. You, you <laughs> stop, stop fighting goblins. St- stop fighting liches. <laughs> go home. You have enough money to keep your farm or whatever family you have going for the rest of your lives. <laughs> <laughs> as that's that's like uh, like the equivalent of like being uh, out. I don't know. There's no good equivalent. It's like, yeah. You, well, no, I, I think there is because like um, uh, parents in like the real world analog is parents who take dangerous jobs. It is in the bigger picture to keep their family safe. Um, like yeah, like for example, we have a character who has children and they're out there kicking ass and saving the world and grabbing bleep, 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 sensor won't spoil this stuff. But like, <laughs> they're out there kicking ass despite having a family because it's all about protecting them. Um, but if you are good at playing that off and good at running that as a motivation, then you're solid. But a lot of people, alas, aren't that good. So yeah, this is me wanking you off, Kesser. But yeah, like that's... <laughs> well, we that's also have Caden. Yes, we also have Caden. But Caden... I feel like we have railroaded into not being allowed to do anything fun and exciting. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, there's definitely positive negatives uh, yeah. to that. But yeah, I, I think as a a trope, it's an interesting one. It definitely brings out drama, which is what we're always looking for. Um, cool. All right, Kessir, you're up Me. next. What have you got? So uh, my my uh, top three, no, my third top three, third... <laughs> <laughs> I get this. <laughs> My three, 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 third, third, thrice. Thrice removed. Um, my number three. <laughs> Got it. Nailed it. Um, this one, I, I think I feel, I feel like I've brought it up before, but it's like um, if a story has, uh, involves a lot of um, either constructed languages, constructed cultures, or um, like alien anatomy, like I absolutely love if a story involves that kind of thing. And yeah, I, I just like, uh, there was a time period when I listened to a lot of audiobooks and like I specifically looked, looked uh, for, via TV tropes actually, for books that involved <laughs> um, uh, specifically uh, alien anatomy because there's something interesting in like seeing how those uh, authors like built the world around that character with these different anatomies. And and um, build up the world around that, or like 
like even the, out of that evolves the uh, the culture of that uh, of that setting and um uh, i there aren't many like um uh, i guess serious not serious but like uh, episodic stories mm -hmm. that uh, have a lot of that going on and i've actually noticed through korean drama watching that like uh Korean dramas act as a very good substitute for that to me because it's still a culture <laughs> that I'm not familiar with. So it acts like as a, oh, nice, I get some culture on top of it being like a, an entire world built around this culture and I learn to understand this culture through the people that interact with uh, the world because of their upbringing and whatever. And that's just something I'm really interested in. Like I'm, I actually uh, got recommended a story the other day by someone um, that, that was, it was like a story set in New York or something. And he sent me the trailer and I was immediately not interested because I was like, this is boring as fuck, the setting. I don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want I, I New York. I want, I want <laughs> space or Korea. Your choice. <laughs> Your move, What Hollywood. about Korea in space? Yes! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Everything is better when you add the words in space. <laughs> it's always better in space. <laughs> Which is also a trope. Uh, True. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, so are, are you just like, uh, I'm trying to like figure out exactly what you were saying. Um, are, are you saying that like, as long as there's an interesting culture that you haven't been like fully exposed to, that is kind of like a thing you're super into? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I see exactly what you're talking about. There was... um book I read a long time ago, which actually involves two of the things you're talking about. One was there was a race of crabs, and mm -hmm. if they they molded, they went from like smaller crabs to big crabs, and if they molded without being interacted with, with the intelligent crabs, they just became feral. And uh, mm -hmm. so that was like an entire race that was in the book. They weren't super explored, but I really liked them. And the was other it like thing, an alien race? Yeah, it, it, the book mm. Humans Are in Space, we get captured by a really <laughs> evil space. race. Yeah, we get captured by like an evil race and they have these crabs to make all their like uh, machines. Yeah. Uh, and they explore the, the crab race a little bit. But the other alien race was kind of cool because they were like kind of Klingon-ish in the fact that they were like a warrior race. They were just like super aggressive. And they had, they counted to eight because they only had eight fingers. So like mm -hmm. uh, they would always like, when they said like... Uh, Like ten or twenty, they meant uh, eight and sixteen, uh, uh, depending like mm -hmm, because yeah. of how they counted. It was really fun. They were always uh, and and they had like mottos and rules. Like I think you would, yeah. I think you would enjoy like the first two books. Uh, sorry, give it to me, baby. <laughs> I don't have the name of the books <laughs> on hand. I will, I will, I will send it to Kassir, uh, and that will be included. And, and in you'll Jubilee you'll give me the references link. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. the references. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they they had something. They had a phrase. It was uh, for the clan, and if your yeah. boss said for the clan, that meant you were supposed to fucking listen, or they were going to make sure you didn't get to have any offsprings. That was like a <laughs> like a uh, the warrior clan was all about like leaving behind like a legacy. So mm -hmm. uh, like if you broke a for the clan command, that was in the interest of the mission. It was literally just like, yeah, your wife got shot. No, your children got murdered. Like, that's... that's what oh, I thought you were going in a different direction with that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. They don't rip your dick off. They, they just make sure you don't have any offsprings. <laughs> oh. You also get murdered, of course. I don't think they murdered the wife. Oh. I think they just murdered all the babies. Hmm. 
Oh. They had uh, eggs. So like all the they they the, ah. it was like an egg race. So everybody had like a bunch of eggs in storage and then like doing well on mission meant that your eggs were unfrozen and raised to be warriors. That's how your Aww. legacy kept going. Yay. Uh, so Yay. yeah. If I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh I think you might enjoy it. Yeah. I hope it exists as an audiobook because it does. I do not it have does. time to listen uh, to do uh, anything. <laughs> it does. I listen also, to my it fear of texts. <laughs> Text. <laughs> I fear the letters. <laughs> well, I think a lot of that definitely comes out in counterbalance because um, yeah. that oh, yeah. is entirely constructed and definitely not our world. But I do like that you have Lynn as our like human looking. Yeah, the, 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 the perspective or what it's called, the, the lens. Oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The lens, the, the uh, fish out of water trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's... So that we can experience. <laughs> My like for that is also why I particularly like Ral in TLD because like a lot of that kind of stuff comes up when like in regards to Ral, mm-hmm. it it rarely comes up if you had just have like I don't know dwarves and elves or whatever. It it so rarely comes <laughs> up. I I don't know for some reason, uh, the, the typical fantasy uh, races just don't interest me because they don't. I know I have very no good. interest in playing Baldur's Gate until Dragonborns <laughs> were in it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Do they not have cat races? Um, no, not yet. What? Or the not fuck? without. I guess I don't know if there's. I mean, I know there's mods for the game. I don't know if there's any like wild mods like that. I have no idea what there is right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I haven't damn. even beat the game. I'm not even halfway through. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> like I, 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 I enjoy, I enjoy Ral, especially when we go to places like Daemarius. Um, because we we discuss dumb shit that we wouldn't think about normally, like the fact that chairs don't have backs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all have to be stools because we have a big ass tail. Like no one would have a no one would have a chair with a back. Like that's just not. Except just not if a it's a, just a wooden chair where the back is like t- like Raced two off. stools and then a back yeah. piece. Like there's always a yeah, hole built like, into them. But you would always always <laughs> yeah. like want one of the wooden pieces to be out of the way so you can slip into the seat and you yeah, don't have to true. like back up into yeah. it like a dump truck. <laughs> like, like those, do you know? I don't know if this is like a German thing, but like, uh, um, in, in there were some schools where you had like those uh, tables that, uh, that those chairs that had like a table built into them, and like if you are uh-huh. if you are left-handed, I think you're fucked because of the way you have to sit in the chair yeah. and the, the table folds in. <laughs> no, kind of like that. That is <laughs> so alien to me. I saw these fucking desks in every movie, every show. <laughs> Every school and every fucking thing I watched had these like desks that open up, and then like I go to school and there's no fucking drawers or anything to open. It's boring as sin. No, ours were just tables, like literal just tables. Like there were no drawers, there were no lifting compartments, mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm. no attached to the chair. No, they were just tables because then the teacher could pick up the tables and rearrange the classroom depending on what activity we're doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like. We only ever saw those creaky open up ones. They didn't have the chairs attached. They were just the ones that opened up. That was like when we went to visit the Victorian school. (laughs) (laughs) We did not have that in public school. Uh, We didn't have, we we only had a few rooms that had specifically those chairs and I'm not entirely sure why. I think it was like, so you, so you have like an entire room where you can just store the the chairs in a corner if you needed the space. Yeah, oh, oh. Uh, the, the desks I grew up with were super stackable. The chairs too, like. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, if I remember correctly, I, I don't know. 
I think it's in Japan. They have the same kind of school system, the cheer system. Uh, but they have a rule that like every, for every nine right-handed tables you have, you have to have one left-handed in the classroom. That's just a rule they have. And they, sometimes they have more left-handed, sometimes they don't. And that the, 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 somebody just has to suck the it up. The system is broken. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's cool. It's a creature design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love creature design. <laughs> Give me creature yeah, design. I do too. I feel like character design is more to do with humans and thus like more to do with fashion and stuff, which I am less good at. But like yep. I love creature design and stuff. I was mm-hmm. always the guy that played the aliens and in, in Halo. I love seeing his dumb little <laughs> fucking hands. <laughs> Three fingers still tied with that. five fingers. Yeah, I'll yep. always play the non-human <laughs> races and whatever it is. Yeah, me most of the time, me too. Like in in World of Warcraft. Yeah, like I, I had a like when I started playing World of Warcraft, I um I had a friend who played I think Alliance, and it bothered me so much that they did not have yeah. like a single um non-humanoid quote unquote race, except for like the Knight of were, were probably the closest back in the day. So I yeah, also like, like that no, was let me the play, closest. Let me I play think the horde. I the want to play a <laughs> <laughs> That was my favorite thing about switching over to horde is that I got to watch my my um my druid healer. Her name was Valonda. Um, <laughs> just wander around as a fat ass cow. It was amazing. <laughs> but what made great. it worse? I spent most of my time in tree form, so I was like yeah. tree branches bouncing around doing the little tree dance. Um, so I rarely got to see her as a cow anyway, Aww. but like. Well, now Alliance has werewolves. And what else? Wait, and it's horse not got, Drenai. Did Drenai. Goblins? Yeah, they got aliens. Yeah. Okay. Um, so aliens. I like the Draenei. Yeah, we got, we got the aliens from the Draenei. And then, yeah, the Alliance got werewolves. And the I goblins. Say both goblins got werewolves, but I think I'm wrong. Or horde. Who, what came with the horde? Pandas? No. Pan okay. Pandas are both okay. Goblins were horde because the yep. gnomes were allies or alliance or whatever they were called. Yep. yep. So oh, both okay, had like a yeah. team race. Oh, uh, the, the 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 opposite of the Draenei were the blood elves. Oh yeah. yeah. They came at the same time. Yeah, that was it. Hmm. Um no, I don't like the werewolves now. Because they have really shit British accents and it the shit out of me. Well, V, I'm very American and unable to notice. So. <laughs> it's like they were trying to be Cockney, but some of them fucked it so hard. And then some of them were trying to be like, you know, RP English. And I was like, this is just, this is shit. I hate everything about this. Um, That's hilarious. But my friend Jay did make a um, werewolf called Terry Worgen, which made me laugh so fucking much. Um, okay, guys, we need to move on. We're already 25 minutes in and we already had two. <laughs> Oh God! Okay, right. We well, swear we're trying to be better, folks. Y'all started talking about desks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but cultures have desks, and that's what cast it is. We're not here to talk about culture. We're here to talk about tropes, tropes in not real things. We're not a comedy culture podcast. We're pure facts. <laughs> <laughs> Only Based one of Warcraft facts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, it's very clear to see the influence of that trope on counterbalance. Yeah, and 100%. Yes, I like it. You do it good. Yay. Uh, I'll go next because I'm trying to buy Neil time to try and decide what the choices are going to be. <laughs> okay, oh, I'll, I'll help stall. Um, 
My third favorite um, trope is heroic sacrifice. Um, because without a doubt, it always makes me like, oh my God, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I think the world would burn if it was in my hands. <laughs> Fuck. Um, because they're often like really like hard choices and it usually ends up being like, you know, their character dies to, you know, allow something else to happen or to save the world. Um, and it's, yeah, it's something about that. It's just like, it, not everyone has that ability to do it. And I think like, my heart, I might just be a giant coward. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it. Um, and often they're, they're like, you know, it, it should be at the end of the series it should be at the end of whatever arc is going on so it shouldn't be like at the beginning because there's no emotional impact from that there's no story impact it's like it's not the same um it needs to come towards the end for it to have like the most um effect and like it's just <laughs> there, there are so many weird little examples i've have of this and they're always just like oh i don't know if i could do that and like um there's uh, the one that like hit me first that this was a thing was um, the end of season five of Buffy called The Gift. And she eats herself into a portal Spoilers. to save the world. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> I think Buffy's been out after 2006, so maybe I shouldn't spoil it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually watched yeah. it in its, its entirety. You I'm not going to, have. but like, mm. oh yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend. I would not recommend it um, unless you really want to go watch it. I actually wouldn't recommend watching it. Read all the people and analyze it because that's way better now. It's so dated and it's so old. Dis disagree, um, hard disagree. As somebody who watched all of Buffy <laughs> in 2022, go watch it if you want to watch it. Don't read read what other people have to say about it. It's genuinely entertaining <laughs> past the first season. Yes, the first season is rough. Uh, the seventh season is not good. Um, but yeah, like season five is when they go from like one series and they've been building up for the last three series to this epic conclusion. And then in season six and season seven, they actually completely change network. So they restart the story again. <laughs> oh no! Um, but yeah, like she jumps in there and she dies to save the world and save her sister. Um, uh, in in gaming terms, it's Fallout Three with the water purifier. <laughs> like yep, I, was... I could send someone else to die, <laughs> or I could do it. And I'm like, I I don't think I've ever done it as a character. <laughs> I, I I need to make a point. I instantly, when you said heroic sacrifices, I was like, oh yeah, there's this, 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 and then I thought like the worst probably version of that is Fallout Three, because yeah, almost without a doubt, you have Fox with you, a guy who's healed by yes. radiation. <laughs> And he's like, I will not rob you of your destiny. Go and die, buddy. Yeah. I'm like, Fox, no, fuck you. I don't want to die. So invariably, either I send Sarah from the Lions in or I send Fox in. I've never done it. Uh, so I never, it wasn't until I watched other speedrun it or, or play it that I realized that there is a code you had to enter and that the code was significant from way back in the day. I would never remember that. Um, I, I didn't even know it until I watched someone else play it. That's how little I go in there. Like, I just never did. Um, so yeah, like... There's that, and um, at the end of We're Alive, um, sorry, um, We Were Here, um, which is a, a gaming franchise. There's like four of them now, I think. Oh, yeah. At the end, one of you has to stay behind so the other can escape. I'm like, oh, I love it. It's so fun. And I think the first time you and I did, Aether, we did that, we spent 20 minutes at the fucking gate yelling yeah. at each other to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't listening to me. I was trying to save your ass. Yeah, yeah, it's not happening. What was it? The um, most recent one, you find yourself floating in the water and I pushed you off the, the yep. barge. 
I felt genuinely heartbroken <laughs> you did that. I was going to try and find a way. We both have to survive somehow, right? Um, I, it was heartbreaking. But that one less so at the end of four because you yeet someone off the hole. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and and um, one of my favourite book series um, is Of the Empire and the last book, Mistress of the Empire. There is this old grizzly soldier who's like missing a leg and he's on crutches and he has a sword and he's a military man and he head held high and he buys time for the protagonist to enact her plan. And the entire thing is like sticking two fingers up at the magicians who are the bad guys in, in book three um, and basically taunting them until he dies because he's just buying time. And I just, I love that trope. Um, Casting vicious mockery? for a reason. Huh? Casting vicious mockery? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> See, the, the the text in it is like whenever someone dies to the, the, the fire magic of the mate of the, the magicians, it is also they're burning and screaming in agony, and that's all you hear. Um and the way it's written in the book for when this particular character dies, Kayoki, um, it's like as, as if the stubborn old man would never scream. And it was almost as if he has a smile on his face, even in death. Um <laughs> it's like, damn, dude. <laughs> So yeah, it's just it's something about it I like, and it, it affects a lot of the characters that I play as well. Like if there's a chance to heroically throw myself on the fire as a as a um, an RP player, I'm all on, I'm all on that. I'm all on that, unless specifically I'm playing a coward. Um, but that's very few and far between. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a huge fan of the heroic sacrifices myself, but I. I have like like we just said like about the fallout thing. It's like it needs to be set up well. I will fucking yep. throw a table if it's like I will do a last stand against the horde. And it's like okay, what are you doing? Buying us time? No, we're we're already at the escape. Okay, okay so why are you staying behind, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I will. It is like the <laughs> I will hold off the horde as we jump into the helicopter four steps up the hill, like. <laughs> What are you doing? Get in the helicopter. Leave. <laughs> just go. Go without me. <laughs> no. Just... Wait, why? No. <laughs> no, go. Go. Wait, you, you... I'll buy time. Just, We're wasting just this time. conversation has wasted more time than it would have taken to just get in the thing. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> you come on, yeah. come on. They're not here. We literally yeah. stopped having a conversation. Why? <laughs> Yeah, as like uh, so. the antithesis is like, I genuinely hate the opposite. Like, yeah. I do hate that. Like, yeah, last minute, I'm going to stay behind for mm-hmm. no real reason. It's like, no, this is such a waste and it's not earned. Um, yeah. And you can always tell when it's forced in by um, writers on TV shows because they can't keep the actor anymore. Um, and it always feels forced. <laughs> I hate that too. <laughs> I like it executed well. <laughs> but I- I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of uh, heroic sacrifices when it's done properly when you have a a character mm-hmm. with a set of skills in an area that is confined and dangerous and it's like i have to do this you guys can't start running because like i'm not going to be able to finish this before this area gets too dangerous uh fixing nuclear reactors or uh yeah that's a common one yeah it's something like that uh, someone has to physically hold this button down because <clears throat> there's no way we could duct tape this yeah um, <laughs> I think there's also like uh, bonus points if it's like if the reason the character does the heroic uh, sacrifice is because they like something in them changed and they like they found a reason to like go up again. For example, if it, if the character uh, used to be a coward and they mm. finally decided now I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to make a difference. Like that's definitely like bonus yeah. points for that for that kind of uh, heroic sacrifice. Oh, yeah, like was, go up yeah. an, against an enemy that uh, they had like some kind of dealings with what, for whatever reason. I don't know, background together and they always ran from them. <laughs> like, I guess like actually uh, Puss in Boots too, Last Wish. 
Yeah, where he f- faces down. Yeah. <laughs> what was the, the name best of- movie. What was the name of that TV show we were watching where people were like fracturing their minds so they could go to work and not remember it? Oh, yeah. I, I think it was a Netflix show, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. In it, you have a character who's like super focused on work. Just like, don't ask questions. Don't be difficult. Just focus on work. And then he accidentally learns that in the outside world, he might have had a kid. And he his character that does a massive 180 from that point and starts breaking rules and doing daring things. And it's such a fantastic, like, to see this absolute pencil pusher all of a sudden just find a spine and like, oh, that's why you guys were fucking around. Because you, I hadn't even thought I might have a kid. This is amazing. It's like, it's a, <laughs> like, he starts taking massive chances at that point. And it's very fun to watch. Um, what's that movie where they're hunting like the giant dinosaur or snake or something? Jurassic Park. And the guy <laughs> is going and he's gonna it's clearly one of those sacrifice scenes where and he's like pulling the pins on his grenade, thinking that it's gonna eat oh. him and just whacks it with his tail. King Kong blows off in the distance. It, 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 it's Kong Island, I think it is. Yeah. It is it? Like a, yeah. yeah, it's like a giant raptor. Yeah, thing. you're right. This yeah. massive sacrifice. King Kong. Yeah. And then the thing just slaps him. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, a good trope to subvert to. I love any trope when it's like turned upside down. <laughs> Just any yep. of them. Oh, is your top trope turning tropes upside down? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We found one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like you can probably see in basically anything I'm in, you will always see like the heroic sacrifice line. I'll always go down there. I'll always put it in writing. Um, also, it ups odds. I-, I like it. It makes things meaningful. So, at least to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's my third trope. Um, all right, Neil, what have you got? All right. This will surprise no one. Um, okay. Cats. <laughs> no. Cats are a trope. They can be. Real. <laughs> my third one is the reluctant hero. Ah. Uh, So the first part of the hero's journey, basically. I don't want to leave the Shire. Uh, What about third breakfast? (laughs) You know? (laughs) I don't want to be out on adventures. I have a beanbag chair back home. Are you kidding me? (laughs) All that stuff just humanizes those characters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I can empathize with the reluctant hero. It's the, like, oh, come on on a great adventure. It's like, I look around, I'm like, yeah, I could sell my shit and just, like, go to Myanmar. That would be an adventure. I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. <laughs> like, I'm reluctant to do the washing. I <laughs> you think I'm going to go save the world. <laughs> like, I, I don't have that energy. I don't want to do this. Uh, fuck. <laughs> uh, no, the... the you, you you gotta have a reluctant hero from time to time. They're they're, they're such a fantastic contrast, uh, and especially like if they yeah have a good life, it's 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 kind of spooky to see a character that has like a full fledged family that's healthy and happy and they're like thriving in their job, and then there's someone like, hey, let's go on a suicide mission, and the guy's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also seeing like how much weight like something X Y Z thing about the character or in their story contributes to why they're doing what they're doing and going anyways. You know, why are they leaving the Shire? Why are they doing the thing? Yeah, um, you know, Gandalf Frodo, brainwashed me. 
<laughs> and lied <laughs> and didn't Frodo tell me about his dust. eagle friends. <laughs> they, he 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 hooked us in with a, a an enormous amount of like weed or something. Like, Gandalf was blowing smoke rings the whole festival. Yeah. We did fireworks, and he fucking filled us with this. He said, "We'll go have a great time," and it wasn't a great time. It took three <laughs> movies. It was crazy. <laughs> and then at the end, he had his friends come pick us up, anyways. Like what? <laughs> 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 I missed third breakfast for months. Gandalf. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> no, he loves Gandalf. He jumps on the, the bed with him in slow motion, remember? I know. I love those movies. They're so good. Be your wrong. They're uh, so good. Can, they're so that's, good. I do not remember that scene. <laughs> the cinematography and everything, they're, they're impossible not to enjoy. <laughs> Come on. I, will, I, will, I will give Smeagol, it that it does look beautiful. I will give it that the, the the Hobbit homes are gorgeous and that the fight scenes are very AI controlled and just look terrible. I will give it that <laughs> Elijah Woods' eyes get super blue at points and it looks yeah. awesome. Um, but I will not give it much else, Neil. I, on, I fucking hate them. <laughs> the more I'm told oh, you're wrong, the more I'm going to hate them. <laughs> Like I know, I I should be the one li- loving them because they have a like they are based on co- uh, constructed languages, but yeah. I'm yeah. not into them. <laughs> when you mention constructed languages, like you must love Lord of the Rings, right? No, like, you, you read the Cimmerillion or whatever the fuck it's called. Cimmerillion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, yeah, well done. Yeah, that's that's basically <laughs> like an entire book of just like, then this god existed and he created this area. And yeah, but him... for some reason they just don't do anything for me. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what it is. They just feel, it, it, like the entirety of the story feel old, I guess, in a way you that just I hate don't like. You just legacy media. It's <laughs> true. It's the it's the traditional thing it's the it, it's, it's the so... reason that other things are things it's it's the 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 thing it's not something new it doesn't try to be something new it's not i know i know come it, on it, like i i bet your ass lord of the rings like like really solidified the uh hero's journey in the western world like how fucking well it plays it uh of course yeah. it existed before but like it, it, yeah, I think I think it's probably also really responsible for a lot of the fantasy tropes that we have. Oh yeah, like just a lot of them. You can't get away um, like, from uh, hoity-toity, long-lived elves with fancy uh, houses in the trees, and you can't wa- uh-huh. get away from the greedy dwarves living under the mountain and their book of grudges and their accents. <laughs> I love the book of grudges. That's the only thing I if if. If he is responsible for the Book of Grudges, it's the only thing I'll thank him for. I don't think so. I think that's Warhammer dwarves. I think they. Have the I Book think of it's Grudges. Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that's that's based off of like some of the the Tolkienian races. Oh, one hundred percent. It has affected a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but reluctant heroes are are good. Um, yeah. Is that what you see in Rel? He's made to go along on this journey. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think that that was. <laughs> Uh, well obviously but like i i like the con- i didn't think that you know when you when you're bringing someone like Raul into the world and what it was he was definitely very alien he he was very mm-hmm. not a part of the world and i had to make him feel like it was <laughs> you know 
So I had to give him very yeah. normal characteristics, like normal people stuff. Like he doesn't he, adventuring. It, it, he's the most out of place thing. But I lost my train of thought. <laughs> he's trying to be normal, but he doesn't fit in. It's the he is a square peg, and there's a bunch of round holes around, and he's just like he, ah, he's I'll he's our fish out of water. Yeah, like he he is a. a uh, yeah, he's 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 trying to lead a normal he's... life in a place that yeah. wasn't made for him, which is in, yeah. actually funnily enough. They have the, all these the chair backs and shit. Of, uh, and... Elemental. <laughs> he's out of place, but he's not outgoing. <laughs> yeah, and like that's there's a reason why he's here, but like you know, it doesn't mean that he's an adventurer just because he's from somewhere. You know, circumstances mm-hmm. were as they were, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed. <laughs> humanizing Rawl, <laughs> giving him a lot of fears and making him argue with everyone. <laughs> That's going to give you one item, the Neil. Time. He complained one the item. Whole, and that item. 300 episodes of complaining. <laughs> <laughs> the item I will give you, Neil, is the beanbag chair. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. The most humanizing thing, just this weird little thing. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, by well, the way, Neil, we have way better beanbag chair than you have. We have a fat boy. Oh, damn. Yeah. I'm it's jealous. Good. <laughs> you should be. It's, it's really comfy. <laughs> I am, however, <laughs> slightly overweight and very old, so it's really hard to get. <laughs> I used to have one, but I g- gave it to my boss. <laughs> you gave your fat boy to your boss? Yeah, because I wasn't, I was barely using it, and it would have taken up space when I moved. Oh, the cute. So it was like, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I don't know if it's a fat boy, but it like it was a really big one, and like my mom got it for me like almost ten years ago. I, wow. Um, and like I, I barely ever used it. I think I used it maybe. I actually used it for TLD recordings uh, a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Because so. my chair was making so much noise and the beanbag chair oh. made less noise. In what universe does a beanbag... I mean, maybe if you're still... I was, uh, maybe um, because still. we had hardwood, yeah, uh, hardwood floors in the uh, in the mm, um, apartment mm. and I had like a, a thing that did rolly thingies. Yeah. No, I, like <laughs> you guys, like audience can't see this, but I'm swiveling back and forward the entire recording because I am such a uh-huh. antsy boy. <laughs> I cannot stop. <laughs> antsy. <laughs> Well, thank you for that, Neil. Um, and a little <laughs> window into well. Hey, hey, hey um, is it time for an ad break? <laughs> it's not. In two entries time, it is time for an ad oh, break. Oh, are we doing oh, it in my. the middle now? Yes, I'm trying to get it roughly in the middle or when one of us jokingly says we need to put an ad in. <laughs> we need to put an ad in. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, Aethel, what is in your second spot? All right, uh, this is maybe a weirdly specific one. But I like it, and it kind of tangentially get related to a bigger one that more people might know. Oh. But I love, 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 love the castle in the sky. I don't know what it is about it. I love a floating city that has like, <laughs> like rocks and everything underneath it, and it's just off in the distance. It's usually re- introduced really early in the story, but nobody can go there, and they nobody knows what's up there. And your character just wants to know or find it. I love We've that. We've had this discussion, Athor. Okay. The first Bioshock was better than Infinite. 
It 100% is. 100%. Bioshock <laughs> Infinite is a mass of wasted potential. But we're being positive today. Um... <laughs> Bummers, guys. <laughs> no, uh, I, I genuinely, I love that. And as part of that, I really, really do love um, like fractured world where the the entire like imagine like the the scene where the the in TLT where the team fights. Um, um, Travos. Travos, where the earth starts cracking and pieces are like floating away. I love that shit. There's something so epic and cinematic about it. I just absolutely <laughs> like my brain catches fire when I uh, see or hear that described. And I absolutely love it. And I, I literally recently bought an entire fucking Steam game, probably 20 fucking dollars, just released probably the most recent game I've bought in many, many years because it had fractured islands and airships Aww. and stuff. And the game was trash. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I, my um, my friend Chicky actually has like a a favorite game series. It's called Artunelico, and mm-hmm. it it plays in a in a world that um like a few hundred thousand years ago the humans fucked up the earth. That it's probably mm-hmm. an alien wor- earth, but it's not our earth. Like mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. they fucked it up so hard that like the entire surface of Earth is uninhabitable. So like it's toxic. So they built like three towers. And um, the, all humans live on those towers, and they they are high as fuck, and just and like they uh, in the series there there are three um, parts of the series, and mm-hmm. each uh, series plays on one of those towers, and uh, the entire tower like the 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 weather system and whatever like um, is connected to like an um, let's say an interface kind of thing mm-hmm. that uh, a few humans can interact with by uh, by quote-unquote song magic. <laughs> <laughs> Technology. But it's like the, the entire, the basis of that world is kind of what you describe. Yeah. It's yeah. just a very different kind of factored world. Yeah, it's it's the same idea. Uh, yeah. I, I absolutely fucking adore that kind of shit. Uh, there's also just something so f- fun about like destroying the earth worlds like, <laughs> like, like oh we're gonna travel somewhere well you can't walk anymore like that's just out of the fucking picture <laughs> do you, do you want to know where the floating parts and breakup of the world came from for uh the travels fight please tell <sighs> it comes from world of warcraft no grand baby <laughs> oh, God, fucking <laughs> uh, i'm sure somebody it was else not out laputa? there laputa. huh it was not Laputa. <laughs> See, uh, Laputa is one of the ones that comes to mind when I think Castle of the Sky. One hundred percent. It's so fucking probably good. one of the famous ones. Yeah. Oh, so there's there's a there's an episode of Stargate um, where the Goa'uld are hunting these like very rare invisible creatures that fly around and need help and stuff. Um, and they come across this um, group of humanoids who like live amongst the earth. They will never do violence. They're very chill. Um, and at the end, there's things in the episode, it's really good, but mm-hmm. the crux is at the end of the episode, those people who live with nature and are really chill, they reveal that they have been hiding the animals that Goa Old have been hunting. And then they release and actually show they have a city in the sky that they've just kept hidden See? because they're such pacifists. Like, we're not fighting, we're just hiding it. And it's it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I love the episode. Flying I, I cities, man. Flying cities are amazing. I absolutely adore them. Absolutely adore them. Though, I, I I don't know why I'm even mentioning this. The probably most dropped ball of all flying cities I've ever experienced in my life was uh, genuinely one of my favorite video game series. Just randomly at the end of the game, <clears throat> you go up a giant elevator and you go into a city in the sky. Never at any point was this hinted at before in the game. It just is oh. there. It's just <laughs> the finale of the game happens there. And you're just like, 
could we have hinted that there was a city in the sky at some yeah. point? <laughs> like <laughs> that that reminds me of the what was it? The, uh, Battle Angel Alita. Oh, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Oh, no, it's not not the movie, but like the 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 manga. It mm-hmm. has like um uh like there's a fl- a floating city that is I think it's called Jerusa and the bottom city is Salem is called like the bottom city is called Salem and mm-hmm. like the top city is like super high tech and they throw like all their scraps down and yeah. like um they, they collect like all the scraps down in that city and uh, make like robo fights and stuff like that's where <laughs> the battle angel alita thing comes from like oh. she's half a cyborg or whatever th- th- those are also great the ones where we're yeah. like we have literal like uh like rich people live up top Then we got mm-hmm. poor people at the level below, and then we have the slums below that, where there's not even <laughs> law and order. It's such a like that's such a um, that's such a good setting for like mm-hmm. you can you can go from like pristine ivory towers to like literal mutants. Like it it, it yeah. And also, it's a it's a great uh, a critique of uh, capitalism and stat- statism <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. So it's easy. we we will be shot if we do not mention altered carbon after that description <laughs> because that really it's such a sci fi future punk neon punk bullshit, mm. uh, which is literally like. The rich people live in the sky, and it's so clean. And then everyone else is on the bottom, just yeah. scraping for drugs and the ability to live. Like, yeah, we would be sure if we'd never mention that. It's also good. Please, please watch it. I need I like to watch it. it. And also, there's a hotel AI called Poe, which I think is awesome. One one more story that comes to mind is like uh, I think I mentioned the st- series before, the books of the Raxara, mm. which also involves like a lot of con culture, that, which is why I like it. Um, but it's it like it plays in a world that is called the three worlds because it uh, like you have um, races that live in the air, you have races that live on land, and you have races that live in sea. And like um, there are a, a lot of floating islands, or like there's like trees that grow so large that <laughs> they are a hindrance to those floating islands. <laughs> and, yes. Um, Um, there are a lot of um, very like super large statues that like are carved into uh, the side of a mountain and on top of those statues because they are so large people build cities on those statues like uh, that I I personally love that kind of setting like uh, a world so large that like there's smaller stuff living on top of it Uh, (laughs) and it it kind of is part of that uh, that fractured world trope that you mentioned yeah Yeah. it kind of fits in there Yeah, there. I, I do remember there was a story about a uh, um, a leviathan uh, creature that lived by sea, and like um, they built a a city on top of that leviathan, but then the leviathan was like, "Hey, I live in the sea. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna dive down." And everyone's like, "No, no, 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 no! We have to control this leviathan." And then they they <laughs> put the entire leviathan under like some kind of drugs or whatever, so it doesn't never go under. <laughs> <laughs> they made it hydrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it still lives in the ocean. It just never goes under. Yeah, and so it's a complete state city. of panic. It's just like, oh god, yeah. <laughs> help, water, help! Oh, I hate this. <laughs> it's not like cats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, I personally uh, like this this kind of setting. You know that that is like um, reusing, not reusing, but like. Um, Instead of having just a regular city that's just you know an everyday city like by the river whatever mm-hmm. in the forest, you you try to, you have a society that tried to build a city yeah. on something you know in a, a place that is normally usually impossible to get to or like people would be like why the fuck did you build your stuff there because <laughs> it's which is cool. kind of 
which is kind of uh, like a like a floating city. Usually, yeah. like the floating city is like um, it, it, the city was first and then it started floating, kind of mm-hmm. like in World of Warcraft mm-hmm. Dalaran. I think that was a floating city, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. That, that's exactly what happened to Dalaran. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, this episode is going to be quite well. <laughs> Oh shit, I just remembered one more floating city and then I'm done, I promise. Uh, in Chrono Trigger, uh, you travel back and forward in time and you go back in time and there's like, um, everybody's way more powerful, like, like technologically advanced. But then there's a floating city and you go to the floating city and there's like a coup that goes on and the city drops out of the sky and that's what causes the, like, Age of Extinction. They 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 got so fancy pantsy. They created an entire floating city, and then when it crashed to the ground, it like basically killed all of humanity and reset everything. No, so uh, not a floating city. And then for they you. called it a meteorite. Yeah, 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 and it killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Were all dinosaurs killed by a, a floating city? <gasps> <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's some wild. <laughs> We found bones and fossils of dinosaurs, but not of a single like chip or manufactured thing. Like, oh, like, no, 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 no. They melt. They've been They're scavenged by big floating city. Yeah, <laughs> it's still out there. <laughs> Wait, then what oh, wasn't there the, Wasn't there a, a, a thing like just a few years ago where someone... Uh, allegedly um, took a photo of a floating city in a in a storm or something like that. I remember seeing pictures of that. Like there was like a, a lightning storm going on and someone was like taking a photo and it, it looked like a floating city and pe- people were like, the conspiracy theorists were going wild. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember this, but I think it was just like really good Photoshop. <laughs> maybe. What do you mean maybe? Do you think there's a floating city on the <laughs> Okay. All right. We're done. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your fractured world, Ethel. <laughs> it's, it's a good setting. It's a good trope. Um, all right, Kessir. Oh, me again. Before our break, let's do it. Before the okay. ad break, let's do it, Kessir. What have we, got? <laughs> we already had an ad break, like uh, before Ethel started. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're just you're just hallucinating. Okay, no, no, so no, we I... wouldn't put a third episode episode ad drop in here. No, not at all. <laughs> So I had to write this down because it's a little bit convoluted. And like, this is how I wrote it to Chiki <laughs> because I uh, <laughs> talked to her and uh, try to pinpoint what the fuck is in my head most of the time. So um, one of my favorite tropes is if when a support character um, encounter, like, uh, encounters an anticlimax in their story arc, which causes them to basically leave the main group and then they vanish for several episodes. And like, as an audience member, you're already like, you're like, okay, that character is gone. Let's forget yeah. about them. They're yeah. never showing up again. And then they come then, back, like, the... but he's scanned yeah. off the gray this time. <laughs> White. <laughs> Whatever. He used to be gambling with the gray. So now get on one. But then like the the, the main characters, uh, they just do their thing. They fight the final boss. And then um, like in the most crucial moment when they're about to be, I don't know, hit by the main villain or whatever, they're about to die. Like, suddenly that character comes back and saves the char- the main character's uh, ass. And then in the next episode, we see what the fuck happened to that character in the meantime <laughs> that made them have like an entire journey of themselves and um, what, what they went through. And uh, it that like... If it's done really well, like it can be extremely strong, and it makes me most of the time it makes me like the uh, the side characters more than the main characters. <laughs> when the so, sun rises, look to the west. 
And then they <laughs> ride down the mountain. God damn it, Neil. You're, you're terrible. You're terrible. Neil. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. I like the trope, but I hate the reality of the trope, which is climax of a battle scene or an important mi- scene or whatever gets disrupted by a character I hadn't been thinking about, and the entire next episode is about them, and I have to wake a week until I see the cl- uh, finale of the fight. <laughs> I genuinely unless, hate that. Unless the finale like um, takes place in the episodes, and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe the, the, the backstory is 10 minutes, and then 10 minutes finale. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, I don't remember. It may have been something like Dragon Ball C or something like that, like when I was watching that when I was way younger. And, like, yeah, they do, like, an episode where you're like, oh, my God. What's gonna happen next? And then the entire next episode is like kind of filler, just explaining where this guy came from. And you're just like, no, no, go back to fucking Frieza on Planet Namek. You said it was gonna blow up in 20 minutes, eight episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the fi- not not filler episodes, but the, 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 I know, the yeah. background episodes is often that like they they enhance the um the moment even more, uh, even further, because they add something to the character's resolve or like what led to the character coming back or why they are, um, I don't know, facing the enemy in this very moment or like, if they gained a special right. skill that they mastered it now. Yeah, it can, <laughs> can be done right. It can be done right, but it also can be used as like a story bubble to like <laughs> put your characters in a deadly situation yeah. later and have an excuse it's that they'll like machina. to make the situation as worse as possible and they can get out alive. Like, like it's you a, know, no consequences. I, I feel like it. it's very thin edge of doing it right. So like yeah. if it's yeah. done yeah. right, I love it. And if it's done horribly, I'm like, nah, I'm not Look into to it. the West. So, <laughs> Look to the West. I, <laughs> that's doing it well, Neil. I'll kill myself. It, it, See, it, I, it was, I, I okay. like I like that because um, it does two things that um, I like really a lot. And one, which is having side characters that aren't side characters, because a lot of like supporting characters or NPCs or whatever seem to have no story, no personality beyond a weird little quirk and an ability. Mm-hmm. And they're there to push the main character along. Mm-hmm. I like it when you get to see their story too. Because it nothing yeah. bugs me more when there is a show about one main character and everything else revolves around them. Because <laughs> I'm sorry guys, the world does not revolve around you. Uh, I mean one person. Doesn't revolve around one person. Um <laughs> everyone has a story and I like it when they do it. But yeah, it can lead to, you know, Oh, we're gonna kill all the characters. See how we do it. One person comes in later on, like, yeah, you forgot about me, didn't you? Like, no, no, mm. that's done wrong. <laughs> Doing it right, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. If it feeds into the character's arc, oh yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. What about yeah. if it's a bad guy that saves your ass and surprises you? Whoa. And then we see a back a backstory of why they they became Tal- good or did a good yeah. thing more neutral at the no, very no, least. They should still say bad. <laughs> They just I saved wanna, you so I could just, kill you myself. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. just want to keep the character for themselves. Uh, <laughs> You're my No enemy. one hurts you but me. <laughs> <laughs> Only I get the privilege of g- killing you. Yeah. I'm just not ready yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Leave. And eat healthy. <sighs> I, uh... The thing about that trope is, like, I, when I explained the trope to, to Chiki, for some reason I could not think of a single story... <laughs> that I liked where this trope happened. I know I've seen I, them. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't think yeah. of a single one. I immediately, sadly, because I am a sad Buffy nerd, um, there's an episode <laughs> in season six of Buffy um, where exactly this thing kind of happens. Um, oh, no. Giles goes at the beginning of the series because 
Buffy, spoiler alert, in episode five, uh, sorry, series five, as I literally just mentioned, dies. Um, and he flies back to Britain. Then she's resurrected. And then at the end of the series, he flies back because Willow has gone bad. And he's like, all right, motherfucker, let's deal with this. And then he does a little explanation at the beginning of the next episode where they have Willow contained. And he sort of talks about how he came to this point, what happened while he was in Britain, um, his journey of like, I said I was dumb, but I was obviously I was wrong. Um, like, I still want to be here to help you. And he comes yeah. back a bit more permanently in the next series. So, yeah, yeah. it's just like... When you said that, I'm like, that's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> like when I was explaining it to Chiki, for some reason, a lot of uh, series or like movies came to mind that had a like an adjacent um, um, trope, but that focused on the character that went away. For example, Lion King. Um, Oh, yeah, Basically. yeah, yeah. Uh, Simba just kind of returns randomly. Yeah. But yeah, the story follows Simba, not <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's still good, but like whoever. it's... Uh, it's it's different from what I was thinking. And the ones that I could think of were like always kind of only adjacent to the, the, the trope as I compacted it. <laughs> But like always something, uh, something always felt it was either off or not exactly on point. For example, like, um, isn't there, a... uh, there were some stories that I remembered. I don't know what the stories were, but like there were some stories where like, it's not just one character. Like the group has like a falling out between themselves and everyone just leaves. So like everyone is having that little mini arc yeah, for yeah. themselves. And I'm like, no, fuck that. I don't want to follow five different stories. <laughs> There's a minimum five episodes until we get back to the goddamn plot. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, not about that. I know that's like the trope. Yeah. It's just not what I want. I don't want uh, five. Did, didn't didn't uh, Fullmetal Alchemist do this? Uh, it's when Edward uh, gets lost in a snowstorm and we follow Al for a little bit and then he's absolutely fucking fucked by, uh, I think, Pride. And that's when Edward pops in, saves his oh, ass. yeah. And then we get a backstory how he was saved by the Chimeras. I'm I'm 99% sure that may be one of the best versions of that. But that was actually the main character getting uh, like kind of lost for two or three episodes as we followed Al. <laughs> for some reason, I'm not. You said Pride, but I'm I'm remembering the other guy. The what was it? The kid. Pride. Yeah, the kid. Isn't he Pride? Uh, Envy. Envy. Pride is. The oh, right, right. right. Uh, yeah, Pride is the the, the lieutenant guy, the, the colonel, no, colonel. No, that's Wrath, right? He's the angry guy. Oh yeah, right. Wait, which one is Pride? The kid, the baby. Oh right, the okay. son. Yeah, no, no. I, I was t talking about the other kid, the one mm -hmm. with the long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that turns into a worm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turns into a bad CG monster. <laughs> I love Brotherhood, but that CG monster stands out like a sore thumb. And then Timon and Pumbaa show up and they say, Hakuna Moana, and they eat the worm. Yes! That's my favorite scene. And then we have an entire episode that's an hour and 30 minutes of Lion King. I'm like, take I us back to Timon and Pumbaa too, please. And then you get to watch the Timon and Pumbaa TV show. Which is just a fever dream. It just makes no sense. Because for some reason they're using alchemy signals, and then like Edward's just like, ah, you're not as fun as my metal brother. What the fuck? It was it was a wild ride, guys. And then Simba grows grows a thumb and learns to snap to do this. <laughs> and then he looks looks to the east, and there he's <laughs> Harry Potter. And then he defeated Scar. Oh yeah, I remember that. And they all have third breakfast. Mm hmm. So that's my favorite trope. I, yeah, you ever remembered how there's Scar in both both those uh, IPs? <laughs> <laughs> that can't be a coincidence. 
<laughs> you found your uh, connection, guys. Yep. 100%. This is not Star just... is a furry. Oh. <laughs> ads! Ads! Now! <laughs> Quick to the ads! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Uh. Seamless transition. Uh. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Sorry. Me. What's your <laughs> second favorite um, trope? Um, I am a big fan of mentor as a surrogate parent. I oh. love those kind of stories when, I mean, the parents can still be in the picture and they can still be happily and in- involved, but it's having someone, whether you're an adult or a youngster in the story, it doesn't really matter to me, but it is having that mentor that's willing to teach you things and help you and always be your ally and your support whilst training you to do something. And it's a bond that goes beyond just, ha, I'm your teacher and there's 30 other students. I'm off to mark. Bye-bye, child. Um, And I'll never think about you again beyond these four years of school. Like, no, it is, you know, it's someone that takes the time to look after someone else, um, to teach them to be better into the world, either through skill sets and through life. Um, uh, one of my, one of my, again, linked to this, one of my favorite tropes is the found family. Um, oh yeah, it is. Now that, that you like, mention it, yeah, that should have been on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I don't think I'm the sort of person that would do very well as uh, an adoptive parent, but I love found family. Um, like, yeah, I love the family that I have. They're really good. My relationship with my parents was questionable, but I still love them. But the people that I found um, since then growing up and moving away and having my own life is like, no, your people are important to me. I don't need to put the word brother or sister or blood or any of that shit. And we never did at home. If you found someone you loved and adored, you would call them brother or sister or aunt, or uncle or bestie. Like, um, that, that kind of thing means a lot to me. And I think the, the mentor approach is especially in a lot of media where you end up having at least one parent who's a douchebag or parents who are useless and don't understand the special powers of the child that is being raised. Um, It's having that extra connection there, that extra support. Um, It is having someone who understands what you're doing and going through saying, I'm proud of you, buddy, and I will go on a limb and I will help you, or I will go on a limb and I will protect you. I will will do the heroic sacrifice because I am the mentor and old. Um, I I love them. and also like, someone who, yeah, someone who just believes in you and who who will yeah. uh, like nurture your talent and like who knows you in and out and yeah, yeah, it's it's the the eternal like cheerleader, which is um, something that I try and be. I I try and be like, yeah, let's do it. 
I believe in you. We've got this. Like, come on, what do you need to do? Do you need me to slap you on the ass and say, that a boy? Because I'll mm-hmm. do it. That a boy. <laughs> do you need me to yell at you? I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Or do you need me to tell you that your work is amazing and that you should be, you know, selling your work for millions of pounds? Let's figure out how to do that with you. Like, I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a thing that I, I've seen a lot in media and something that like resonates quite hard with me. Um, and I have examples. <laughs> I have, I have many examples. <laughs> Giles and Buffy, I have to mention it because I've at least said that once or twice already. Um, <laughs> from Avatar The Last Airbender, it's Prince Zuko and Uncle Iroh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zuko and Uncle Iroh weren't exactly... Fa- well, they are family, literally are. <laughs> yeah, but it is It is the... Uh, I, I think I think the quote I saw is like, don't say it, don't say it. Like the sun, I wish... Don't say it! Uh, <laughs> but there's, like, even though, like, it could be, like, the uncle or um, yeah. the way that it, uh, uncles and aunts are sometimes used is, like, it's just the best friends of your parents. Um, like, yeah, they're kind of the odd exception because they are blood-related, but they still have a closer relationship than just an uncle and just a nephew. Um, like, he really does look after Prince Zuko and really does help mould him, him into a better human being than he was, who was a dickhead. Uh, and there's, um, uh, and I just mentioned it, like, of the Empire series, um, there are two characters in there who aren't related to um, the protagonist and like the protagonist refers to them as mother of my heart and grandfather of my heart. And it's just like, they both nurture, they both raise, they both impart wisdom. And there's just such a really like unique bond to that that isn't just reliant on blood. Um, and I like it. It's it's one of my, yeah, it's just one that really speaks to me and I enjoy it a lot. The one that pops first into my head is uh, Karate Kid. Uh, how I think his name is Mr. Miyagi. Like in the new version with uh, Jaden Smith, may, people may not like that stuff anymore, but I love that one where it, like the kid's like, I want to learn karate, but I don't have money for it. And the guy's like, oh, I will train you anyway. And I just love that shit. I love that shit. So hard. Uh, my brain always instantly goes to some kind of a fighting trainer or a gym trainer and he takes in somebody who can't yeah. afford to do it for free, like can't afford to pay the tuition. And they're just like, fuck it. Like I'm doing this because I love the art or, or, or I just love the, yeah, the institution. I think it also comes with the uh, I spot talent in you. Yeah, like this, yeah. this gift will go to waste uh, if I don't help. The dream um, of Even all... though I should be charging you so <laughs> much money to learn how to do this thing, like the talent would be wasted if I didn't step up and do something and again that's a very familiar parental thing to do the dream of every young man to be picked out by a master and go i see promise in you it's like please <laughs> please save me from my droll dreadful existence <laughs> uh, the whole time i was thinking i was trying to think of an example hmm? and the only thing i could think of and it kept coming up was kung fu panda but it wasn't those tropes it wasn't it doesn't <laughs> apply at all <laughs> <laughs> no, the, he has the like the adoptive parent, but like they have a good relationship and everything, and like no, the the, the, it, the it's the, not even any of those things. <laughs> the rat character hates panda guy, and the the turtle just loves everybody. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's just chill. I've heard that the uh, newer. I don't know when they came out. Like, I've seen the first one for sure, but I've heard that the kung fu panda movies are actually really good the second one has the tiger guy and i think the, i have seen that one then but the that one that, is just shockingly well animated i have no memory of the the story or the plot i just remember the animation being like oh just great 
So yeah, I I like that trope. I don't like it when people do the weird thing with the villains, when the villains has someone they've taken on as a child, and then the child is like, ah, I have now seen the error of my ways after you have taken me in and looked after me. I would join the good guys. I'm like, nope. No, I hate that. Oh. I hate that so much. They did that at the end of Charmed and I got so fucking mad. Um, so, no way. I hate it. Um, so, don't do that. <laughs> um, wait, villain, Charmed. Fuck. Oh, you threw me off. I had something. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, one thing I like, since we're talking about Kung Fu Panda, one thing I like, uh, like in the um, found family trope. Okay. No, 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 you don't have to cut that. <laughs> We saved it. Thank you, Kessel. Yay! It's like if if the the found family transcends basically the 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 quote unquote wraith wraith. I don't <laughs> think Kung Fu Panda is a found family mm-hmm. story, though. He has no, no, no. a real family like, that he cares about. His dad's really nice. I, I just, I just <laughs> that's great. I'm just trying to bounce off of what's something you mentioned. Like uh, since we have like a lot of these um, <laughs> stories that feature non-human. Uh, characters and um, I, I do like like found family if it's if it's like between races that don't actually like biologically could never be um, oh, family yeah like a goose and a panda <laughs> yeah yeah for example but like um, uh, one thing I also like is like if uh, if it's not just a, the the um, child and mentor situation but like a brother sister situation uh, and like Or, or like sibling, but let's let's mm. call it sibling situation, um, which I've seen. I I don't have an example of this, but like I've seen some of like uh, um, small character and large character calling each other uh, brothers and sisters or like siblings. Like for example, a small girl and a large dragon. For Malachimus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not 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 that kind of no, like um, like I, I I literally mean different different types of character uh, races yeah um, yeah or if it's like a, I don't know like I, I guess a child and a dinosaur and they just they bond so well that they call each other siblings they're, if, if they're sentient enough to, for the for yeah. whatever the storytelling is that they can actually talk to each other like that Mowgli yeah Mowgli yeah. does call the yeah. yeah. Uncle Balu, eh, the 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 bear is just his cousin. <laughs> like fuck yeah, or uncle. Um, I have to because we're talking about this. I have to mention the worst whiplash I've ever had to the mentor, uh, the mentor trainee uh, thing. Um, in the newest series of Samurai Jack that came out like 2020, I think it was. Halfway through the series, there's a bad character that turns good, and uh, Jack's like training them. And Jack's like this older man and she's this younger woman. I'm like, oh, are they going for like a mentor thing? Like he's going to like pass on the weapon to her and she's going to be the one who beats uh, the big bad evil guy. I'm into that. Like I like this. And then they start kissing like genuinely ass. I was thinking <laughs> that. And I was just like, ah, no, no. <laughs> that's not what I wanted. No. <laughs> Don't touch like that, you old man. <laughs> It was genuinely, I like, I was in the middle of, like, constructing a new side story. Like, oh, is this how the show's gonna go? And then they just started fucking smacking lips, and I was disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> It was disgusting behavior. Uh, no PDA, no PDA. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, that's that, I guess. All right, Neil, what have you got in your second spot? Uh, sympathetic villains. Mm. You love to be able to reason with them and understand their logic. Um, 
Magneto, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Like you, you don't even want that man to lose. You just he, want, you just want not, him to get better. He's not wrong. He's not. He's not wrong at all. Uh, Magneto did nothing wrong. Yeah, they're just. They're. It's funny. They're both. It's. It's like he's a good guy with a different solution, and that yeah. whole thing yeah. is such a great uh, dynamic. Oh, that's- Ooh. so that leads us back to. Anti-hero, anti-villain, <laughs> hero and anti-hero. Yeah, like yep. we were actually talking about this recently in one of our uh, Patreon chats AMA. for uh, August. Our AMA <laughs> chats. Go check that out on our Patreon. Plug, plug, plug. Um, yeah, we, we talked about that. That's a, I love sympathetic villains. I love looking at the villain and go, "Oh, I would probably be on your side." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's you because you're you know, a coward. Killing you would never, people. <laughs> you're a coward, V. You would never sacrifice yourself for the greater good. You'd always follow the villain. It's like, I know <laughs> yeah, at the true. ending of this, I want you to lose, but I don't want you to be hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Protect the baby. Uh, what is it? It's, it's, um, <laughs> Send them to jail, please. <laughs> in in uh, Breaking Bad, like you follow Walter White's story, and it's different for everybody, where they went like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing bad evil things. Uh, <laughs> the baddies. <laughs> uh, a, a more uh. weeby r- r- comparison is um, Death Note. Uh, you have a character whose original goal seems relatively pure, if simpli- simplistic, but then as he like structures and builds on his goal, he just starts doing more and more evil shit. And it's really funny to talk to people and ask them like, "When do you think he went over the line?" Like everybody will have a different answer. It's, it's uh, <laughs> fantastic when you have a like a good guy that turns evil. Uh, like so, he has like a goal that you could have rooted for originally, but then they just go off the deep end. <laughs> That is a good story. Yeah. Oh, uh, Death Note or uh, uh, whatever other thing I said. Uh, Breaking Bad. (laughs) Oh, I haven't seen Breaking Bad. I know all about it, of course, at this point. Bro, you need uh, to watch it. It's genuinely osmosis. I know. Everything except the second season. Really? Okay. (laughs) I was going to say everything except the fourth season. (laughs) Oh, you're crazy, V. (laughs) The fourth lost me. I'm like, nah, bro. So, Aethor, is, so uh, is your is your suggestion watch the first season, the se- the third season, no, and the fourth season? No, no, just just understand <laughs> the second season is not yes. as good as the first or the third. Like, <laughs> just know that. I'm gonna be honest though. Like, the thing that broke TV for me and things like this, and the reason why I haven't watched <laughs> is Game of Thrones. Like, how am I supposed to sink time into anything ever again before it ends? How am I supposed it's to know? It was so <sighs> worth the ride, but yeah. like, the ending made the whole ride not worth the ride. <laughs> the whole ride was good up until the ending of the ride made the whole ride shit. And I don't it know was... how it does that so spectacularly. But I'll tell you uh, an analogy only a fat man can give you. <laughs> it's like eating a meal. And it's a really good meal. And then you say, I want to thank the chef. And out walks this, this like dirty man, like drool and like boogers <laughs> in his beard. And he spits on the ground as he walks out, rubs his hands, like rubs his hat, hat through his hair, then his hands together and then t- sh- shakes your head. You're like... I need to throw up now. This is a terrible meal. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they did to us, Neil. It it was awful. It was uh, awful, and I have not recovered. (laughs) 
Game of Thrones may probably be the best, like, sympathetic villain story in the fucking world up to, like, season six, seven. Like, you're rooting for, uh, like, almost everybody except Littlefinger at all times. Like, even Cersei has points at times. Like, you're not, like, like season two, you're not, like, murder Cersei. You're like, oh, shit, like, what, what's going to happen to shame. her? Shame! Maybe, maybe she's going to fix her ways. Yeah, I think the difference with Game of Thrones is that everyone is a hero, everyone is a villain, and they're all heroes and villains of their own story. They're literally all written from their own points of view. Um, and I, I like it. I like that because of that. But the TV show, what lost me was the fucking white horse <laughs> and Arya Stark. I, I was laughing so hard when we were watching that with the guys oh. around. I'm like, I can't believe this shit. The what? Uh, yeah, like... You're right, Neil. It fell off the deep end, and it was bad. Uh, like man. she, she bad. fell off late. It's it, after mm. uh, Daenerys has basically decided genocide's cool. Uh, <laughs> Arya's running through the streets, and at the end of the episode, a white horse appears, and she rides it away. And that oh, white horse was yeah. not set up. You have no idea where that white horse came from, and it's shot so cinematic that you're sitting there like, "What's the symbolism?" <laughs> you, th- there is, this is supposed sense. to mean something. Nothing it, made sense. The this whole has thing to was... mean something. No, like is 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 this like the the uh, the no one priest like changed his face and turned into a horse instead? <laughs> like is that the only reason that this horse could be here? God, and Arya had the best story up until that point. Yeah. The best uh, fucking story yeah. from. I was so scared for Arya the whole time. Arya was my favorite for the whole ride, and and then <laughs> and then what was the point of it? And then she takes stupid yeah. pills and forgets the power to change his faces. You know, the most important power. Yeah. Yeah, because what would have made sense There's is a to have the dude in the wheelchair and then like, ha ha, I'm not Bran. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. just stab him as Bran and then rip Bran's face off. I think Bran would have to be dead to do that. But like, uh, that, know, that was never Bran. established. They didn't. We don't know if people needed to be dead. To <laughs> Prince Oberyn should have won. <laughs> it was a yes. bad move. I liked Prince Oberyn. Uh, oh, what's the name of the guy? I'm suddenly glad I never watched the last season. <laughs> yeah, be glad, mate. What was the name of the guy with the the the, the stone scales that like goes an entire... Uh, Prince... Uh, Jura. It no, goes Jura. on an entire yeah, so journey of self-discovery and re-evaluation and then just dies? He dies. It's just like, what was the fucking point of that? <laughs> he goes on a journey of self-discovery and ends up exactly back where he was. Learned nothing and then dies. Uh, the worst. Oh, uh, fuck. Oh, my God. And oh, Jamie, fuck you, Jamie. Yes. Man, yeah. Jamie was the most unlikable character at the beginning who had a complete turnaround yep. and made me feel bad for him. And I was like, damn, Jamie's a good guy. His sister just sucks, though, and he needs to stay the fuck away <laughs> yeah. from her. And when they're separated, Jamie's becoming a good person, and Cersei's just becoming more of a fucking bitch, and you hate her. And then they, in the fucking end, and then Jamie, and, and it's like, oh, man. You- why, Jamie? Why, yeah. man? Yeah. Why? I you hated a, it. You hated it. Could have been a good guy, man. <sighs> oh, fuck <laughs> I saw me. it. I saw it for a fucking we second. We saw for a fucking and, second. And that Jamie. Leads, I will come back to the, remind me about this, but there so is mad. like the spark of like 
redemption in Jamie there is. throughout those last series where he's hanging around with Brianna Tarth. I think I'm not a fan of the Brianna Tarth potential love line. No, fuck that. I don't give a shit about that. That that spark of humanity that is still in him to be a good person. Um, that was so good. And the then for just, and yeah, what the fuck? That fuck was it. disappointing. <laughs> I was disappointed with a lot, but. <laughs> Remember how he was set up to be somebody who would dethrone an insane ruler when they go against right? the, the yeah. people? Oh Remember when he was set up for that? Remember! <laughs> Remember when he did that? He fucked the crazies! That's what he did with his life! <laughs> He's been fucking crazy. Why can't you remember uh, like the North remembers? (laughs) Tyrion's so good though. I love Tyrion. Alright, we need to get off we need to get off game with We need to get back to where we were, yeah. Um Oh man. Neil was doing some. Oh about another ad break. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, save us ads. (laughs) 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 And it's an ad about like a new Game of Thrones uh, audiobook or whatever. Uh, Yeah. board game (laughs) spoilers for game of thrones it's bad (laughs) the the game of thrones board games they had some stipulation in the contract that anytime they use the phrase game of thrones they needed to use the full title of the show the game of thrones the game of thrones so in the in the in the the rule book every time it was talking about the board game it had to say in a game of the the Game of Thrones. It always had to have two the TM. if it was talking about the game. In yep. the, the Did game they have of a Thrones TM on game, it? You, it always had TM at the end. Yeah, then yep. you need to use the entire phrase. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's necessary to lose a game of the the Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> it's such bad English. It's terrible. <laughs> uh Future me, I don't know if we actually put an ad in at that point, but either way, what a beautiful transition to Aethel. <laughs> oh, me again. <laughs> What's in your top spot? All yeah, right. you again. Um, I am going to not do my honorable mentions yet because I might accidentally Thank have you. somebody's uh, top. <clears throat> uh, my favorite one is, this is a dumb trope, but Jesus Christ, do I love it. The main theme plays during the final fight. <laughs> I, I actually saw that when yeah. I was looking up my trope. I, that popped up, I was like, Oh yeah, that does happen. I love it. There it's. Is... <clears throat> do you have any idea how long I need the combat music to be, Aethor? <laughs> I'm not talking about the entire thing. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. No, he was the no, entire thing. No, all it, all we need is that at like at least at, at either the final <laughs> blow part or at like a really stumper part. If like Laffy and Sultana squash or Raul goes down, that's when we need to have that, and the the team like grows. To, yeah, uh, when they go down. We need to have on a piano. I'm telling you, Neil. I'm telling you. Uh, I think this is Aethel's way of asking you to do that. <laughs> I will not be asking in five years when we're editing the finale. <laughs> <laughs> Though I feel like I, I personally, I as a listener, um, feel like. That that has been done before. That you did like the intro theme, like in the middle of the episode. And as a listener, I always feel like, is this 
is this someone making a, a summary? Because that's like the, the music that plays under mm. V uh, doing the summary of what happened in the last episode. It's always It always <laughs> feels like, oh, we're about to witness a summary. <laughs> no, in my, my brain, if I hear the intro song, it's pump-up time. I'm pretty sure they did it in the One Punch Man finale of the first season. Uh, they do something <laughs> kind of similar in um, Full Metal Alchemist in the fight with Father. They have uh, like one of the songs that's been playing like as a Uh, like a um, like as a theme for the main character, but they pump it all up and get it like real fucking excited. I <clears throat> oh, I love it when the intro gets played as the as a theme in a fight. I gets me every time. Gets me every time. Uh, yeah, that, that's just my favorite thing. You can't go wrong. Just oof. they do that in episode 12, season one of Buffy. See, see, all <laughs> the good ones did it. All the great ones a, did it. This is turning into a, a drinking game. Every time V mentions Buffy, take a drink. I think you'd be, good, you'd be well sauced by the end of this one. Yeah, you would not be trash. Mildly sauced. Mildly sauced. No, uh, yeah. depends on what you get. TV shows do it a lot, uh, where they have the intro. Yeah. Uh, anime doesn't do it as much, but goddammit. Oh, top, Tenken Top and Gurren Laga does that. Uh, like, hardcore in the first season, uh, when they fight the the big guy that was keeping the surface of Earth uninhabitable. That's fucking great. It's just... I am going to need you to type the name of what you said, because A, I don't think I heard it correctly, and B, I don't know what you said. All right, let me... Let me. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> so yeah, uh, my thing—it's super simple, but gosh darn it, I, ha- I have much more to say about my honorable mentions. But that is <laughs> genuinely my favorite. I love it when you play the main. I mean, theme. it's simple. Yeah, there's not much to discuss. Oof, it's 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 <laughs> yeah. just perfect, and, and no bummers. So nobody's allowed hey, to say I'm wrong. <laughs> no bummers, but um, it, it does do a good. Like if you have been building up long enough. And you hear those familiar themes. And I think it works better if it's not a straight up one-to-one copy of it. Like you can oh, recognize yeah. that beat. You can recognize that melody. You can recognize that sharp note drop at those right times. I think it could be like, it's a good callback. And it's like, a <gasps> they did it. They said it. They did the title drop. <laughs> <laughs> nope, no bummers. Sorry, I was about to be negative. Uh... <laughs> no, I think title drops are fine. Fight me, Ethel. <laughs> oh, you want to fight? Title drops are no. terrible 90% of the time. <laughs> Period. I think it has to be super subtly worked in like an Easter egg. And it has to make sense. So us working in the lucky die is just like, nah. I, nah. I stand by. <laughs> Let's not do that. That would be the worst thing to do, but it would be a great one to add on. Ah, uh, now we have oh, to oh, rebuild if, if the, the final world. Words... I guess the lucky die. And then we just... That's the end of the story. <laughs> But like, that's bad English. It should be the lucky died because they're no longer there. Or... No, no, no. I, I guess the lucky get... If it's at the end of the world. I guess the lucky get to die. Like, is the, the, the like more verbal... I guess yeah, only still different, the lucky die. Different... <laughs> still different grammar. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. I promise you I will not be that bad, but I do have a pretty bad plan. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, Cassian, what have you got? Oh, no, it's me again. It's you again. Okay. Let's see. It's another one I had to write down. <laughs> so it's um uh my 
I did not have a proper order for this, so don't say, don't, don't uh, hold me to it that this is my number one favorite mm -hmm. trope. <laughs> But it's like when the heroes um, start out with like uh, with with goals and ambitions and determination, and then the story or plot breaks them down, um, uh, breaks them completely apart in all the right ways. That in the end they're just happy to get out of the story alive, <laughs> or like mostly unharmed. <laughs> It's, they like they achieved nothing, but <laughs> they're just happy to get. They got out of the story at all. <laughs> it's it's always fantastic when a character has like a goal of glory, riches, and power. Yeah, and then at the end of the thing, they're like, you know what? I'm just glad we came out of this alive, and we stopped that bad guy from doing that bad thing. And it doesn't even have to be like a end of the world kind of thing. It's just like yeah, yeah. It was an evil real estateer who was gonna like demolish a suburban neighborhood that had a lot of culture. It's like, and we stopped him. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, you learned a lesson, buddy. There's more important things out there. There. Yeah, or like it, it it humbles the character that mm -hmm. went out with like all those like that what went out into the world starry uh, starry eyed and bushy tailed or whatever. Yeah, and like uh, they came back being like, guys, I'm just happy I'm still here. <laughs> Uh, see, that's a, that's kind of the opposite of the 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 uh, a, a trope I kind of enjoy, which is the 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 main character returns home and he's just like, oh, I don't fit in anymore. Celebrated a hero. No, he doesn't fit in anymore. He doesn't know how to be normal. Uh, okay. Like he comes home and he's mm -hmm. just like, I can't just go to the grocery store anymore. Like I have to like scrounge I'm... for my food and like I can't just that that's one are you like? Yeah, I don't know why. I just kinda like okay. like it when the, the hero returns kinda like changed. Like uh... I, I always feel like that kind of storyline happens a lot in if there's like a second book or a second season or a second movie. It's always that kind of trope, but in the beginning. Like oh. the character came back and they did not fit in and they're yeah. like, oh. dealing with that. No, no. And I hate that no, one. No, no. If you start the second season with that, <laughs> yeah. go fuck yourself. If you end yeah. the first season with that, two thumbs up. Like... <laughs> <laughs> If you have the balls enough to show the after, because a yeah. lot of shows like here's the high point and then we never see them yeah. have the happy ending. We never actually see them getting the romance on. We never actually see them returning to their village. No, like, drive off no into it's the always sunset. hinted that this will be, yeah, drive off into the sunset, the happily ever after. If you have a, the ability and the balls enough to go, all right, let's look what it's like to actually return home because it's not all going to be sunshine and daisies, but that does lack a nice rounded ending. Um, it does lack that nice, yay, unless, of course, they return to the village and everything is fine. Or you have at least one set or one character that returns home or to a new normality and things are good because you, yeah, like, I guess it also depends on the tone of the show is like, yeah, if your entire show has always been dour and sad, then yeah, show them returning back and still things aren't good, even though they've done the good thing. But if your show has notes of happiness and hope in it, show the sad, shitty one, but also like um, contrast it with the happy one too. You, you mm -hmm. never see beyond the happy ever after. Now uh, imagine, yeah. V, <laughs> yeah, yeah. imagine that you went on uh -huh. a big, big adventure and everything <laughs> went surprisingly well. You were uh -huh. a, a bit pessimistic, but everything's fine <laughs> afterwards. And you have this really cool thing, a really cool ring. And it <laughs> uh -huh. I was just gonna say, imagine the Eagles came in or whatever. It's like a fucking Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Piece of it shit. Is. It is. And, then they, <laughs> and then it's the prequel to three great movies. Yeah, exactly. oh Except don't watch the movies, just read the book. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's just true. read the books. It's torture. Saves you a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like, uh, no, like the 
Like, yeah, the, the humbling of the hero or like of some of the characters is like a super good through line to have in your story because it's also, it gives your character like a, a dynamic. Like your character isn't just this straight arrow moving from goal A to goal B and maybe somewhere along the way he'll move to goal C or D. Like, no, it's yeah. it's like, yeah, they started out going for goal A to B and they ended up on goal like one. Like, like it's not even in the same fucking system that they ended up in, and it's it's uh yeah, it gives your character like width and dynamics that like they aren't just a full like a final product they are still forming. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good when a characters change and grow because I don't know if I look over my life over the last five years, three years, one year, I've changed. <laughs> people change, people grow up. <laughs> what you thought you were steadfast rules of like i would never do that going to you know what compromise is okay (laughs) you know what there are bigger there are bigger things to give a fuck about um i feast my eyes upon my field of fox and there's only so many to give um yeah like (laughs) yeah I, I think I personally am not a fan of the hero comes back and is like celebrated by everyone it kind of feels unrealistic yeah because like if if it is like for example like talking fantasy they go off and fight this big epic battle four thousand yeah. miles away mm-hmm. they come back to you know bumfuck nowhere they're not gonna know of what happened they're not gonna <laughs> yeah. treat you any yeah. different except some dickhead who didn't pay his rent for the last four months like the, you're literally <laughs> quoting the end of the hobbit i know and then you have this, this crazy uncle with a bunch of artifacts and stories and <laughs> Well, that means that V is not an AI because she can quote the end of the hobby. Ah, true. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had tricker into it. It was a really roundabout way to get her to it. <laughs> v is an AI yeah. because she can quote the end of the Hobbit. Yep. Uh, <laughs> guys. No, the... Um... It, I, I personally also feel like um, putting it in... like. Um, Instead of being the hero that is celebrated, um, being like the hero that comes home and it's like, it, it normalizes the situation a little bit more. It, it gives you more of a sense of, um, uh, this could be me, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 it's, it makes it more relatable for a normal audience. Because if you, if you have like a character that is like super celebrated or whatever, then like a lot of people are going to be like, well, that's never going to be me, mm-hmm. you know? They mm-hmm. cannot put themselves into those those shoes, and like humbling is a lot of uh, like it. It makes them more relatable to characters. Yeah, yeah, I agree there, like hundred percent. Yeah, I think I I don't think I can think of a single story where the character comes home and is like celebrated. Where I was just like, yeah, that was earned. Yeah, that's the thing that should have <laughs> happened. Like, I think it's always like when they're celebrated, you're just like, how do they know? Who told them? Why are they celebrating? Like, I mean, I guess if they if they um. Uh, somehow ended up in a large city and the large city is like, okay, you're going out there, like, uh, I don't know, if you need help. But, like, like, imagine, like, an Iron Man movie where Iron Man shoots the the bad guy a bunch. Don't fucking watch Iron Man. And then he lands and everybody's like, yay! Like, no, nobody's gonna go yay. Two crazy people were shooting at each other and now one of them's dead. You're not celebrating the other crazy And half the city is dead. Yeah, like... (laughs) Destroyed. Yeah. The 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 idea that you get celebrated by a city requires so much setup of like there needs to be a news cycle that explained your situation and the bad guy situation and that where you were planning <laughs> and then you succeeded and now we can all celebrate. It's like uh, Superman, like he he throws something into the sun and everybody's celebrating and it's just like, what are you guys 
think just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, (laughs) that reminds me of the the Dragon Ball one that was like, people around the world give me energy. (laughs) How the fuck do they know? (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Bulma puts it on TV. (laughs) Are you saying that when you save space, you can't go have a party with the Ewoks and all of your ghost friends? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I always save space when I delete my photos. <laughs> no one celebrates me. Uh, <laughs> Damn you, Ken. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, V, I think it's your turn. We have 15 minutes left. Yep, you can tell us about oh, what God. your favorite uh, trope from Buffy is. <laughs> I fucking hate you. (laughs) So, I have the bad guy redemption arc. And I have it as my trope for a fair amount of reasons. Because I think that to a degree, some people, and most people, deserve a second chance. Um, You swore in church, probably shouldn't hunt you down and burn you as a witch. Um... Like, yeah, redemption. It's it's a thing. People should look into it. Um, and we all love a good redemption up. story. And I think we could stand to learn a bit from the idea of forgiveness and helping people get better. Um, I love the I love backstories of doing super bad shit and then trying to make it up or just trying to be better. I I I have Edgelord characters that are all basically like that, and I love the shit out of all of them. It's fun to play. I like to try to do better. I like to carry guilt. It's nice. Um, I like to think that it raises a lot of questions, like at what point can you forgive them? At what point do they earn redemption? Is it based on body count? Like, what's the number in the body count? Mm -hmm. Like, if they are a vampire and they suddenly get a soul, Mm. um, how many murders is okay before you can't forgive them? Um, Is it based on the show type? Like, is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be dark and depressing? Is it based on personality? Are they just fun and you love the bad guy? And you know what? I'll forgive him a couple of murders or a couple of arson attacks. Like, whatever. He's a thief. Like, fuck it. I don't care. Um, Oh, come on. We're murders, Chan. Murder again. Exactly. And like, Gollum wasn't a bad guy. Wait, Gollum. Oh, Gollum. Okay. Yeah, Gollum. Like, and at one point, like, at what point do you as a person or the show or the characters in the show go, this is the point where they can be redeemed and this is the point where they can't be redeemed? Like, where's the line? Where's the line? And, like, if it involves, like, death and murder, like, you can't, can you make that right? Is it about saving as many people as possible? Is it like, yeah, if I say 40 people after accidentally murdering one person, is that okay? Uh, you know, I don't know. Is saving the world okay for killing one person? I, I don't know. Where's the line? Um, so I like them like that. And um, my example is Angel from Buffy and Spike from Buffy. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so surprised. Because- because they're both bad guys. Yeah. Um, so um, they are both vampires. They both have like committed murders. They've turned people into vampires. They have a bunch of fucked up crimes between them. And one of them is forced to have a soul. And apparently we're told that's enough to earn redemption. And the other one earns a soul. So is one being forced to be a better person actually redeemable or is the person who literally goes out and risks everything and and undeath death to get a soul to be a better person and is having a soul enough? (laughs) I don't know. Is it worth it? Um, 
exactly. Is it worth it? Does it actually do anything? Does that just confer, um, you know, the, the the angel on your shoulder telling you to be a better person? Um, I don't know. I just, I just like them. And um, yeah, I, I like playing them. I like playing <laughs> characters with, you know, heavy guilty backgrounds. Uh, I have a lot of fun with them. And uh, the only other one, I guess, is Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. He's a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> Did some dickhead stuff. <laughs> and now he's on the back good guy list. I don't know. He's still a dickhead. So I had a, on my honorable mentions, I had, what was the phrasing I used? Um, the first villain of this arc uh, turns uh, turns into yeah. a good guy. First antagonist turns into a yeah. good guy. Um, I have a, such a love-hate relationship with that uh, one because it requires the, the, the main character to be so annoyingly good that they can forgive the first antagonist. And I'm like, I'm such a petty bitch. I would never forgive the first antagonist. But also the first antagonist very often in shows, not on Buffy though, they're often like this kind of pencil pusher. They're like this character that was just kind of like told to do this. They're not evil. They're just doing a job. Like Suko, yeah. not really, but like to Suko, it was a job. Like he didn't care about capturing the Avatar. He wanted to recover his uh, honor. Honor. <laughs> um, and uh, it's in Dragon Ball. They do this so much. In the original series, you have um, Yamcha and uh, Pilov. You have in the second season, you ha- season, you have uh, Vegeta, which becomes like one of the main characters. He was like a bad guy that like murdered <laughs> millions and then he gets his ass whooped and he's like, hmm, humility, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they even have that in My Little Pony. That's the one called the Spirit Discord or whatever the fuck it is. That's oh. uh, voiced by John Delancey. Yeah. Becomes a good guy. Yeah, th- that that apparently I, happens. <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't need them to become a good guy. I just like the redemption arc. Like, they can do the taking the bullet thing. They can be like, do you know what? I'm trying to redeem myself. I'm mm-hmm. trying to be a better person. They don't have to really be good. Um, they can still be assholes um, the entire way through. And they can be like, you know, for this one thing, this is my line. Actually, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to walk away. Um, or they get killed in like whatever battle, like whatever. Um, I just, I like redemption arcs. I, I think they're interesting. I think they're fun. Um, and I like playing them. So please give me people that need to be redeemed. Uh, <laughs> We've uh, had a... Exp- <laughs> when- Sorry, Kassik, go ahead. Uh, when you mentioned like the first uh, villain of the series, mm-hmm. like for some reason my mind wondered and uh, like uh, to a thought I had about a lot of anime series mm-hmm. that always start like when when they have like this um, when they are like shonen based or whatever like where, where the the goal is like to to power up the main character mm-hmm. to make them stronger and stronger. The main the 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 first villain often ends up as a bully or a joke, basically. And yeah. you can always feel that in the in the series. Like mm-hmm. they, they are uh, um, quote unquote dire to the to the situation in, in that arc. But like as as the story progresses and you experience more and more actual villains with like um with a lot of more sinister uh b- plots or whatever, then then you're like, oh, that first one was more of a joke, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, I kind of got reminded of uh, Shaman King, which kind of had that kind of thing going oh, on. Oh, I know what's where that. like, oh, um, but uh, one of the main uh villain, like the, the first villain was, I think his name was Ryu, and he was like this this uh, rockabilly guy, like with um with a big hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like he he was the villain of the the first book or whatever, 
and or uh, like episode um and like at some point he he had like a redemption arc and he started being a shaman and um like he became like one of the fan favorites actually because of the the arc he had like but he started out as a uh, 100% as a bully yeah but he ended up as part of the main team or like a yeah, yeah. like a very b side character that's very much yamcha from dragon ball he starts off as like a super evil villain who's like trying to gather the dragon balls to wish for some kind of immortality wish and by the end of like uh dragon ball c he's just like oh yeah that's yamcha He dies a lot. He just he just <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh. I mean, he, heroes heroes becoming villains is exactly what happens to Spike. He is an actual villain. He is actually a dickhead. But the the audience loved him so much they brought him back, and he continued to be a villain even when he was a good guy. He wasn't a good guy. And at the end, he saves the fucking world. Not Buffy. Fuck Buffy and all those other people doing fighty things down the hall of demons. It's Spike that saves the world. It's great. It was always Spike. Yeah. It was always about Spike. It's always Spike. It's always about Spike, which is really hard because I think um, the writers of the show were like, we don't know what to do with him. He shouldn't be in the show. <laughs> <laughs> he makes no sense. He should be murdered. And I love the fact that every time that Xander interacts with Spike, Xander's always like, we should be killing him. He is a vampire. <laughs> I'm calling it right now. He's a very consistent character. I'm calling it right now. The receptionist saves the world in TLD. <laughs> oh, Trampa? Yeah, 100%. Uh, no, but he's he's annoying. No, no, no. It's going to be the the, the uh, triangle gnome. Triangle no. comes out of the comes out of the corner and triangles and heals Sultana just before she was about to die. <laughs> It's like the equivalent of like a bunch of people trying to open a can of um uh, pickles. Like I don't want to do it, and the last person opened yep. it. Like this was easy. <laughs> What is wrong with the you triangle, guys? The triangle guy comes in, like ding, save ding. the world, done. Uh. <laughs> and then like the jar opens, the world is saved. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but like. Trang TLD, we have that in a lot of characters that we interact with. Like we have Emil, who is a lich and has murdered many people, um, but trying to be a part of the good guys. We have Demi, who has murdered a bunch of people. Yes, she feels bad about it. She is trying to seek redemption. And I love that storyline. Um, and we have Lindrin, who is an absolute asshole, but he actually has a line in the sand. And his line in the sand is one crime. <laughs> His line in the sand is super simple versus everyone else's. He doesn't have this moral quandary of like, this was a bad person, but they're trying to do good. No, his line in the sand is, you committed a crime? Fuck you. You're a criminal now. <laughs> so I think Lindrin is going to be the true superhero at the end of the series. <laughs> Can you imagine the ending in which the triangle the triangle bard saves the world and then every year <laughs> we all stand outside and do triangles <laughs> for like an hour and it's the most obnoxious oh my god you know the streets more triangle I just like the idea that Lindrin stands there the blissful eclipse comes in and he's just like "Hmm, I'm pretty sure they don't have a permit for this picks up his axe (laughs) no picks up his fist Lindrin's like uh, what's the face he always uses he's buff he's stacked like a shit he's like buff as fuck he's stacked yeah he's he's Gaston but an elf Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny waist, big shoulders. <laughs> no. Uh but the the uh redemption thing, um me and V we've had like extensive conversations about it and I I think I found like my dumb like line where I like to follow. 
which is very simple. If you murdered somebody and they had a loved one, they are allowed to murder you. Period. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I don't care how much you regret it or how much you were under the influence of drugs or being blackmailed. You chose to murder instead of killing yourself. So, yeah. You, 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 mm -hmm. You're out of... Uh, Unless you were mind-controlled. Okay, mind-control is literally the only exception. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And then we an kill the person responsible for that. Ac accidents uh, aren't but murders. That's, that, that's, but, yeah. that's, that's like that dark back, like, uh, uh, guilt thing I was chatting about. Like, I love playing characters. Like, they don't... They could have been, like, tricked into doing the bad thing. They've been mic, but they would still carry that guilt because they still did it, even though they didn't do it. It wasn't their fault, like... I love that. I love that shit so much. Yeah. Um, so you say hmm? you say accidents aren't murder, mm -hmm. but that's literally what uh, Laffian was basically locked up for. Like, yeah. if you spin <laughs> yeah. it correctly, it can be uh, portrayed as a murder. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. But we're talking about like in a, in a fantasy world where we know what is a murder and what is an accident. Like that's where I draw the line. Like, if literally any character from Squash's backstory came back from Squash's like um, uh, Swiftnebland backstory came back and we're like. You came to our village, you stole all our food, and my family, like, uh, starved to death, prepared to die. Squash would just put up his hands and, like, can I finish this Blissful Eclipse thing and then you can murder me, please? Like, <laughs> with Roland Bolgrim, like, in my mind, and again, this is not Squash or Gref or anything like that. This is just Aethor trying to sort through his ideas of uh, redemption and forgiveness. It is literally up to Raul. Like, if Raul came up to Bolgrim and goes, I am going to, to kill you now, Squash would be like, there was that initial like <laughs> wish of kind of like death violence from, from, yeah you know but uh yeah i think a lot of context revealed itself yeah yeah and now he's but, reacting to that and, and that's a program is another oh. wonderful example of of uh bad guy redemption arc we I love can't him. keep any of this in <laughs> i know i know i know we can talk about bogram because that is already out there I, you, you could cut this entire thing so yeah that's that's my my one of my favorite tropes um neil round <laughs> us out bud what have you got yeah um i was gonna do um just a more broad version of yours basically yours is a bit more specified but um just the um antagonist turned ally you know the whole thing mm. is fun because i love like all my characters feature some sort of like trust game i love just kind of context around characters in detail because like trust is a spectrum um as we were y'all were kind of getting into you know yeah and it's based on a lot of um things that you learn about characters that should make them interesting so i feel like that uh just in general is a is a cool window for um character depth but 100 instead Oh. We can talk about opposites attract two people that work well together that are completely opposite. It's fun. It is fun. It is extremely <laughs> yes. fun. Like actually, actually talking about like uh, opposites attract and working well together. Um, there's there's a real world example of that, not just from media. It's um, Adam and Jamie from MythBusters. <laughs> they could not stand each other's working practices at all. Um, like they have very different ways of approaching things. One's very methodical. One is very much like, I'll give it a shot, a spaghetti against the wall approach. Um, and they just couldn't, they couldn't 
they they were very very different in the way that they did everything and the way that they spoke and the way that they moved and literally everything about them is like you would never in a million years pair these two together to make a show like they're just so vastly different but because they have a an underlying professionalism and respect for each other's end result if not their process um they managed to make things that worked and it was uh um, they talked a lot about this. It's like it is the result that matters. It's not whose idea. Um, so yeah, like I, I didn't know right. that's a great trope. Yeah, they um, apparently they only had one dinner together. <laughs> <laughs> Arya and the Hound. <laughs> yeah, go, that go was good. They were no so good. good together. They're so alike, but so so different. It's great. I mean, that was one of the tropes that. That made me start out on counterbalance. Yeah. So that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta, true. Uh, true. The, the three it's of them are there. all very different. They're very opposites. Somehow they make a triangle of opposites. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like in the beginning, like the, the initial idea was just Raka and Malaki. Mm-hmm. Like Lin came in later because I was like, I need a, a third character to kind of glue these together while they're working things yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the um, the opposite attracts. It's like a fun one. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's often used so like dumbly that I I, I think I have mostly a negative like image in my head. But like when we're talking about, it, I'm like, yeah, no, that's really really fun when it's done well. Like, yeah, I like these ideas. What you're talking about is fun, but it's so often I feel like it's used like there's a manic scientist and then there's the 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 calm uh, scientist and together they get everything done. And it's just such a boring dynamic. It's like, oh, <laughs> of course, the manic oh. one grinds up all the cool formulas and then the calm one cleans them up and makes them actually functional. It's like, uh, I have another example for you to bring back uh, Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> The the teacher person, the I think Itsumi. Yo, yo. I don't remember her name. Yep, yep, yep. And her husband. Yeah, they're <laughs> fucking great together. Uh, yep. <laughs> but they're, they're funny. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Just got who you're chatting about. <laughs> but they're they're funny in a weird way. Like uh like Who's also a teacher? Hey! <laughs> Yay! Hey <laughs> Yeah. No, I I think yeah, like you do do opposites well. You you you've got some good stuff. Just like don't be lazy. Don't don't rest on your laurels. If you're writing a story out there, put some fucking effort in. Don't just copy what Marvel does. Just do your own thing and put some Fuck goddamn them. effort in. Uh, I feel like a lot of times when there's like um opposite characters it's it's usually like uh rivalry mm-hmm, characters mm-hmm. and like the they work well together in specific scenarios but they are very rarely put in those scenarios like because they're on different teams and they don't they're not on the same team basically so they don't have a lot of screen time together mm-hmm. i guess <laughs> <laughs> which which is a lot of time how how these things happen yeah like uh and i don't personally like those too much i mean they're they feel strong where if you're into the series, I guess. But it's not like the, the entire flesh of the series is not based on that, I guess. I, I'm not thinking for some reason um, Pokemon popped into my head. And I think like there were episodes where like Ash was teaming up with uh, one member of Team Rocket and like something like that. And like they kind of worked well together. But it's like, oh, it's it's this kind of trope where it's like, yeah, they're only working together for right now. Yeah, yeah. And after we're done with this, we're going to be back to enemies. Oh, that's a, that's a fantastic I also trope. love that as a trope. I also love that so much. <laughs> There's something so fantastic when, a pro- when uh, like a bigger, badder, eviler threat that's also really dumb prevents itself and the two 
two antagonist, uh, antagonist protagonists are like, we're going to have to work to deal with this stupid thing, aren't we? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not going to solve itself, is it? Like, <laughs> There's an episode of Buff... I'll stop. I'm sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> There's also an episode in, in Fullmetal Alchemist. Again, with uh, with uh, Envy. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Edward ending up... What the fuck uh, were they trapped uh, in? They were st- st- struck, stuck inside of Gluttony, uh, the false gate. Oh, right. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, NBA, yeah. Edward, and Edward and Lynn or Lee. 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 Yeah. Neil, is there a version in Lord of the Rings? We've hit all the fan bases so far. No, there's no point where Frodo and Sauron work together. <laughs> but in World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, uh, the dwarves and the elves are bickering. Yeah, that's, good. Yeah, that's yeah. about it. They have that dynamic. Um, and they become yeah, I guess friends. Legolas they and, become and, more friends uh, than enemies, the other guy. but keep on bickering and it kind of becomes a funny banter later. It's a really good banter. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> what fan bases right. have we not ticked yet? Um, uh, Twilight. Star Trek. <laughs> we don't count Twilight. Oh, no. <laughs> are they, are they, have they been uh, uh, absorbed by a... Ostracized. They've been absorbed by a new, <laughs> worse fan base somewhere. Like Vampire Diaries or some shit. I don't know. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's it called? The one where he's a werewolf. Oh, my immortal. Playing, <laughs> playing basketball. <laughs> oh, whatever, whatever. Wait, what? Werewolves play Teen basketball? Wolf? Yeah, Teen Wolf. Yeah, Teen yeah, Wolf. yeah. The 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 Twilight people got absorbed by Teen Wolf fan bases. <laughs> I I I'm I'm not sorry to any of those fan bases. I'm really not. Um, okay. That's what you thought. What the fuck has happened? <laughs> All right, let's very quickly smash out our um, honorable mentions. Ooh. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Athel, you started this train wreck. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I l- really like the, the 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 trope that the protagonist is a threat because they're an unknown to the bad guy. So the bad guy had a foolproof plan, but then the protagonist comes in with some amount of knowledge, power, or something that the bad guy wasn't ready for, and that's why they are a threat. It's not because the bad guy underestimated them; it's because he didn't even know they fucking existed. I love that trope. They <laughs> were not in my calculations. Yeah, yeah. I love it when the bad guy's <laughs> yeah. like, I've got everything figured out. I have so much power. I have these monsters that are immune to all the bullets. And then some guy comes in shooting lightnings and he's like, Fuck. <laughs> I did not account for this. <laughs> what do you mean he can fly? Like, why can't he fly? Like, I, I love that I'm trope. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I, I love that trope. It's genuinely, uh, it, because it feels like it earns the protagonist his uh, seat as a. Uh, a threat to the bad guy. Um, I really like, even though I hate it, I really do like unwavering honor in the good guy. When the good guy's just like, like, bad evil guy. For honor! Like, bad evil guy is like, oh, I'm sorry I murdered 5,000 people. I'm sorry. And the good guy's like, well, if you say you're sorry, I trust you. And then he turns his back on him. Like, it's so dumb, <laughs> but I love it. I, I love the fact that uh, Doctor Who never kills. He doesn't like guns. He never picks up a gun. It's so dumb, but I love it. I, I love it when you have a good guy who's just unwaveringly honorable. Just like, just... All right. I will correct you on Doctor Who. Doctor Who is a dickhead. You're like talking about the time where, where he banished the four family members to different edges of the universe. That, sees, that yes. episode was written by and an idiot. Them. 
<laughs> yeah, but it sticks this person in a mirror for the entirety of like time and space. That is a dickhead move. And there was like it, he may never kill, but he's still going down in prison that, in Lindgren's books. That's fuck him. That's 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 <laughs> Batman level of stupid. It's because there are many writers touching the same character. Batman never kills yeah. anybody. Yeah, but he's like broken millions of backs. He's worse than a murderer at this point. And the same with <laughs> Doctor Who. Like, if you ignore the writers that are like, ooh, I'm gonna make make the Doctor edgy. It's like, no, no, no. Fuck off. Stop that. Don't put people in, in a black <laughs> hole where they get to suffer for billions of years and lock them inside of a mirror for a th- another billion years. Like, this is edgy bullshit. Stop it. I, I like my honorable characters. I like I like them a lot. <laughs> Stop trying to ruin this for me, V. <laughs> um, and... Uh, ignoring first antagonist turns into a good guy, uh, which happens in Steven Universe, and I love. Uh, old guy is surprisingly strong. I like it when, <laughs> like, there's just a power level. You never get weak. You just keep getting stronger and stronger. And I just love it when the old guys are just like, oh yeah, apparently just all <laughs> strength is accumulative. I never grew weak, and they just kick ass. I love that shit. I, <laughs> I absolutely fucking when, love it. When they. It's funny when they look uh, frail and old, but then suddenly, like, like when it matters, suddenly they they almost burst their yep. shirt because all the muscles. <laughs> yeah, yep. yep. it's so dumb, but I love it. I love Someone it. Someone call an old... ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent that meme in a nutshell. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I, I love it when the old guy comes in. He looks really calm. He's he's serene. He's gone through life. He's had his experiences. And then the bad guy's like, "Who's this old guy?" And he's like, "Haha, you forgot. <laughs> We're working in anime logic. You only get stronger as you get older." <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. Uh, and that's my last honorable mention. Nice, uh, Kesser. Yeah, so um, uh, one of my honorable mentions is the the trope of uh, wild child. The reason it's not on my list is because like it very rarely gets done really well in a way that I like it because usually the wild child is like a mm-hmm. side character or if mm-hmm. it's a main character for some reason at some point the the writers encountered some kind of issue and they basically just throw it to the wind for some reason or like, it feels like they just throw it to the wind because suddenly they can I don't know they can they can talk the language fluently or yeah. whatever and yeah. or uh, like uh, master something that they should not have any knowledge of like randomly out of nowhere and <laughs> uh, yeah so um, yeah. It, it's a very thin line where I like it and most of the time I do not so it's it's. Uh... <laughs> I will give them a chance if they do it <laughs> uh, my, my least favorite like example of that is a character that comes from like the farms and is hacking mainframes by the end of the the second episode it's like <laughs> no he doesn't even have a concept of keyboards you fuckers <laughs> like stop it yep yeah yeah um and my other um uh, honorable mention Sorry. is like a, cl- a classic it's uh the hero's journey i, I just yeah. like it it's simple it's effective i like it it's not simple it's the it's core story of single story <laughs> yeah not every single story no. but it's like a core for many yeah. stories yeah it's it's a really good guideline on how to write a good story. Like these tropes are good for a reason. They're part of the toolkit for a writer and like dismissing them as all shit is is a travesty. My honorable mentions, uh so um I have I have some. Uh my honorable mentions are all loved based ones because I didn't want to talk about this in depth as the main ones. I love a lot of love tropes so long as they are not the focus of the fucking tale. <laughs> If if the story is it's a romance, I will probably switch off immediately. Skip. But I love random romance plots sitting in the background doing its goddamn thing. Um, so um, we're just friends. Honest, I love that one. Um, we're just friends. Honest, um, I like that. I love a 
uh, getting home to someone I care about. I like having that in the background. It gives them a dimension. It gives them something to aim for. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, but like, yeah, I have someone I care about. Someone it, cares it about me. It also makes the character a little bit more fleshed out. Like, uh, it's yeah. not they're not just living in the confines of the story, mm-hmm. but like they have some. There, yeah. There's something going on in the background that we don't necessarily see. Yeah. Um. It. Yeah. yeah. It, it builds something to them. Um. Yeah. And uh, love makes you evil. You do shitty things because you're in love. I kind of like that. I love seeing that randomly pop up in episodes. I'm gonna sell my soul to the devil so I my loved one can come back from the dead. Do you not cool? Great. I'm into that. Um. I will. <laughs> breach into a research facility and kill hundreds of people just to get the cure for something that my partner has. Like, I'm into that shit. Um, so, yeah. I didn't want to talk too much about love stuff. Um, so, yeah. They're, 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 <laughs> my, they're my honourable mentions. Funnily um, enough, none of us talked about love stuff. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we hate love. Are, we hate romance. No romance allowed here. Bitter old people. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think also because there are so many love tropes I fucking hate. Yeah, I, th- I think um, we're, we're saving I think them for I'd that. Only, yeah, we're I'd saving only those ever... for the episode where yeah. we talk about our least favorite tropes. Yes, top three <laughs> shit tropes. Um, the loved ones generally just, uh, they grate me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. it has to be as um, a part of the story, not the focus. Um, I won't watch rom-coms because I just do not enjoy them. Um, Neil, what have you got as your honorable mentions, Neil? Um, on a bunch of the lists that I've seen, people have called <laughs> dragons tropes, and it, yeah, 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 that I like them, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I guess <laughs> yeah, I like cats um, tropes. <laughs> that's just this next one. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got, I got one more. Heists. Mm. Whoa. Okay, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Now I'm I flashing back. No, I had this I had this idea literally on a call with y'all. We were talking about dark and darker. I was talking about how they should make a game that's like payday where you do heist, but it's with in a fantasy setting with like yep. dragons and stuff. Yep. That'd be so cool. <laughs> Someone what? can steal that idea from me. I wanna, I wanna make the soundtrack though. <laughs> 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 this, this is a verbal contract. If you made it, Neil has to make the soundtrack. This is a verbal yeah. contract. <laughs> it's the deal. Um, <laughs> Rip it off all you want, but that's the deal. He'll do it for free. He just wants to make it. Uh, I have no, 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 no. We're doing this wrong. We have to charge for Neil's services. He's so good. He needs to be paid. You're right. Neil's really services good. are really. I mean, good. fair. Yes. Uh, I, pay Neil. I have. Uh, you don't need to steal this idea. Just pay. Him. I have one. No, no reason. Just, just pay for him. <laughs> I have one last trope I forgot. Uh, I, I didn't write it down because I remembered it while we were talking about Um This is the dumbest trope and it's literally just because I'm a five-year-old at heart. It's when uh, all the friends are cheering on the good guy. When they're, for some reason, standing by the sideline and just yelling, yeah, go, keep going, you can do it. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it when they have like 20 friends all shouting at him and you get to see all the different characters that they've made friends with over the series. Um, that's, that's one of mine. Raw while Squash was getting his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Everyone yeah, eating popcorn him. off to the side. Uh, <laughs> oh believe, yeah, that episode. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. I can't believe you done this to me. That was super funny. Uh, um, all right. I, I guess that's it for this episode. Mm. Um, 
So Oh look, it's only two hours. Ooh. It's basically two-ish oh. hours. Um, by the time we cut everything, it's maybe two hours. Um, <laughs> and add our 400 ads in. Um, yeah, like, thank you so guys we can pay so much. You. This was great. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you all for listening. Um, hopefully, if you didn't know what a trope was and you only thought they were negative, hopefully we've done the opposite of that now, which is probably a trope in itself. Um, <laughs> Spread some light so, on the tropiness. <laughs> Um, so now we need to randomly determine the um, the the next person, and I have little signs here that I made mm. that are like plant potters that have everybody's names on them. Oh, um, that I made just for y'all. Um, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw them in the air, not look at them, and grab one at random. And the one that flies highest is the name. No, the the one that I pull out first. <laughs> so I'm just gonna throw them randomly oh. in the air. Oh, sh- oh look, it's Kessie. That, oh, there we go. That, um, is it? Yes, oh my. That was really impressive. V was juggling them and then she threw one yeah. behind her oh head my. and then grabbed it behind her ear. And that was Kester's one. That was really yeah, impressive. And yeah, and Aether walked into the... Aether walked into a room and threw in a bunch of uh, like fire sticks mm, in there. Like, really impressive. <laughs> was, yeah. yeah, so we're we actually like... We're actually at two hours and 40 minutes. I actually put on a quite impressive display. Yeah. We've just cut out. Yeah. Yes. Um, because it's all visual gags and this is an audio podcast. <laughs> but it's basically Kessio next. Um, yeah, you can so... sign up for like the $40 Patreon to see the <laughs> <No>. video. Kessio, we're lying. Don't claim this video. No, proof. that's funny. Because so is Kessio. There is no $40 Patreon. <laughs> There's going to be one by the time this episode uh, appears. No. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you so much for listening, and uh, I guess we will see you next month. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yes. All right. Bye. bye. Neil. Neil, say bye. No, we need to say goodbye. Neil, do it. Neil, he Neil. doesn't want to say bye because Neil. that means it's going to end. Neil. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to episode 9 of 4 Top 3s. This was a really fun uh, subject to come up with. I have a lot of opinions about tropes and about writing, even though I'm not a writer myself. So it was a lot of fun, and I'm very glad that the guys managed to work within my parameters of, bro, don't be a bummer. But they did, and it was a lot of fun. And I also want to do a shout-out to Red Odyssey, which is a podcast whose trailer you're going to hear now. This has been a Blighthouse Studio production. Thank you for listening. I was 13. I herded lambs beyond the village on the lee. The magic of the sun, perhaps, or what was it affected me. I felt with joy all overcome, as though with God. Rover operator Ilya Zakharov, authorization number 00461, of the Lunar Agricultural Expedition Program. The time for lunch had long passed by, and still among the weeds I lay, and prayed to God, I know not why. It was so pleasant then to pray. Phantom Nine, initialize. But not for long the sun stayed kind, not long in bliss I prayed. Phantom Nine, initialized. It turned into a ball of fire, and set the world ablaze. As though just wakened up, I gaze the hamlet's drab and poor, and God's blue heavens, even they, are glorious no more. Ilya, don't let it see you! From Denoucher Media comes a brand new experience in audio horror, Red Odyssey, starring Alison Cossett, 
Peter Wicks, Sarah Golding, Erica Sanderson, James Scully, Peter Wyshynski, and Brandon Levine. Red Odyssey, a Lovecraftian horror story you will never forget. Coming September 8th, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, I'm Yen. And I'm Nat. And we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me. And people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer. And then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now. With new episodes every two weeks. Wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right?